This podcast is made possible in part by patrons like you. Become a patron today at patreon.com slash binge movies. Transmitting from the last video store in the universe, it's Binge Movies, episode 122. This is the show that ranks and eliminates movies to determine which ones are worthy of preservation for all time, even beyond the end times. On this episode, we rank the Predator franchise. Let's let's vamp a little bit here, Washburn, uh, <laughs> just because I need extra time to get the baby oil uh, applied to my body. What are we doing with our lives? It's I don't know. We're we're sticking in there. We're troopers. We're keep we'll keep fighting the good fight. Yeah. But we're gonna represent. The weather's we're gonna, not helping. We're gonna repre- we're gonna represent bumpfuck America. You and me. Exactly. Yeah, we need more flyover country. More like fuck you country. Yeah, fuck you country. <laughs> Midwest versus everybody. <laughs> fuck the coast. Um, I say that, but if anybody wants to give me more access to more screeners, right. I will gladly yeah. take them. Um, <laughs> let, let's get something out of the way. You're young. You're youthful. You're full of zest. You're full of life. Um, I need to explain to okay. you how the world used to work. <laughs> Lindsay, you may not know this because you were just a, a mere gleam in, in probably your grandfather's eye at this point, but <laughs> the way the internet used to work is we all had these collective memories of things that we saw on cable and VHS mm-hmm. uh, frequently, you know, over and over mm-hmm. and over again. And movies that, you know, there'd be odd little sentences, odd little sayings here, there, and yawn that it would just it'd catch your ear. And you would, for whatever reason, personally, you'd find it funny and you'd want to, like, right? it just stuck out. And you'd be like, oh, that's a weird way of reading that line, or that <laughs> line's weird, or oh, it's, it's kind of funny. And uh, you never knew that anybody else, that it struck their ear the same way. So in the early days of the internet, you'd get online, you'd dial up your modem. You'd get online, maybe maybe you're getting your fir- you got your first high speed modem. It's circa 2000, maybe even 2004, maybe even 2005. Parts of the Midwest mm-hmm. were still getting high speed internet. Oh yeah. You get onto your you get onto your MySpace. You start setting up your profile, and then you see that somebody else, maybe a band that you liked, or maybe a, a celebrity you wanted to follow, that their their tagline for their MySpace profile would be a movie quote, and you'd be like, wow. And then what you'd find out is that there was a whole world of people who thought that that same one line from that same movie that we all watched was weird or stood out <laughs> to them or was funny. That doesn't happen anymore because now everything happens concurrently with the internet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That sense of discovery, it created the early days of, I guess what we, now what we call memes. Memes were born from this stuff. Mm-hmm. That is not the world that we live in anymore. So here's what I want. Sadly, no. I want, you're an actress. <laughs> I want you to just, we got to get it all out of our system because it's mm-hmm. been 20 goddamn years and all the jokes have been done. All the memes have been done. 
the metal band with a guy who was in a Christian band and tried to kill his wife. He had a whole fake band, Austrian <laughs> death machine. It was all built around Arnold Schwarzenegger saying, get to the chopper. So let's get the fuck out of our system because I don't want to hear it once we get in the episode. Fair enough? Fair enough. So I'm going to get, I, I, I want you, Lindsay, to do it. I want you to do it into the microphone to your best Arnold Schwarzenegger. Do it. Do it now. Get to the chopper. Do it. And then I want the audience, I want you to participate <laughs> in this because I want your systems purged of this dead fucking meme so that we can move on with our lives because we got serious business here. We're talking about serious business. laser cannon bearing aliens <laughs> who want autism. We got things to do right? here, folks. There's so much to talk about. <laughs> yeah. Okay, Lindsay, hit, hit us with your best arm. <clears throat> Go now! Get to the chopper! That's I can't it. Do it that great. I can't. I don't get the. I don't get his like guttural tones. Yeah. Because I'm a. Because I'm a tiny woman. I can't get that. <laughs> My epiglottis doesn't do that. <laughs> yeah, because you know he is famous for just just added just making guttural noises that aren't even. And words. evidently, yeah. it's it's his famous. <clears throat> it's his favorite line that he's ever given of his one liners. That's his favorite, I guess, for some reason. He has so many great ones to choose from. Oh, I know. One. Yeah. But I I guess that's his favorite. So can you believe how much I am in heaven? I'm like uh, getting the feeling of coming in the gym. I'm getting the feeling of coming at home. I'm getting the feeling of coming backstage when I pump up, when I pose out in front of 5,000 people, I get the same feeling. So I'm coming day and night. I mean, it's terrific, right? <laughs> so, you know, I'm in heaven. For whatever reason, I get it. That one hit our ears as kids or growing up in the world. And then we discovered that it, always, it was funny to everybody. Mm -hmm. But uh, it's dead now. Lindsay officially killed it. I did it kill it. It is dead, and it I is killed over. It. <laughs> killed it. Killed <laughs> it. The meme is dead. Long live the meme. Every, uh, what, nine years, they try to do this again? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or 12 yeah, years every, or 13 years. and On average, about every seven, I guess. Uh, there you go. Look at that. So it's just, uh, is it diminishing returns? We're about to find out. Let's start with the Stone Cold Classic. Maybe one of the greatest action directors of all time. There's a lot to get into to with this one. And we're to, of course, we're talking about 1987's John McTiernan classic, Predator, which currently has an 81% on Rotten Tomatoes. Whatever it is out there, it killed Hopper, and now it wants us. Nothing like it has ever been on Earth before. She says the jungle, it just came alive and took him. It kills for pleasure. He was skinned alive! It hunts for sport. It's killing us one at a time. But this time, if it bleeds, we can kill it. It's picked the wrong man to hunt. Ah! Arnold Schwarzenegger, Predator. Rated R. The hunt begins Friday, June 12th at theaters everywhere. Predator was directed by John McTiernan. It was written by first-time screenwriters Jim and John Thomas, brothers. It is the triumphant return of Carl Weathers, last seen dead in the Rocky franchise. Now he's... Uh, moved from Rocky to Rocky with Arnie. I wonder if there's a little bit of like fuck you energy there. I don't know. It is, of course, the triumph return of Arnold Schwarzenegger. Uh, he's appeared 50 bajillion times. Just search our <laughs> index for movies with him in it. We've got most of them. It is the triumphant return of sex offender glasses worn by Shane Black. I like <laughs> to only. I like to only have you on when there's at least a sex offender or sex offender glasses. In one of the yes. series of movies, so. Yes, and here we have a few. 
throughout the series. Oh, yeah, yeah. So. <laughs> Film was released June 12, 1987 on a budget of between 15 and $18 million. And just based on the production history, that seems bizarre to me that that budget is actually that low. I feel like that is maybe some Joel Silver cocaine accounting going on there. I don't know. <laughs> With a box office of <laughs> $98.3 million. Now, of course, it doesn't sound like a lot of money, but if the budget really is about $18 million, and they really did make just shy of $100 million in 1987. It's huge. It's a phenomenal amount of money. So uh, my one-sentence plot synopsis is Elite Commandos Become Earth's Deadliest Game. Mine is Arnold and Friends versus Alien in the Jungle. Before we get to personal histories, let's get into the history of the film. This, of course, was written by first-time screenwriters, the, the, uh, the Thomas Brothers, as it were. Um, th their original screenplay for this was called Hunter, and that idea will come back. A band of <laughs> hunters would, you know, the original conception for the movie is that there would be a band of hunters who would be branching out on this, this planet potentially an alien planet, and that idea will come back. Does come back. And they, will be, they would be the hunters, and they would be hunting various dangerous species on the planet until they found one that was starting to hunt them. But they deemed it was too complicated, too expensive, especially for first-time screenwriters. So they oh, yeah. pared it down. And the, the, the urban legend, maybe you've heard this, is that one of them or somebody thought, what if... Rocky fought the the alien from Aliens. Fought ET, e yeah. Yeah, fought ET e or something. That like that. Too. Okay, I don't want to call bullshit on that urban legend. <laughs> There's an easier analogy to make, though. Okay, mm -hmm. what if Rambo? <laughs> right, the Rambo series. You and I exactly. covered it last season. It's in yeah. full bloom. It's in full gear. It's making a shit yeah. ton of money every year. Why would you go to like what if what if Sylvester Stallone? Why would you say Rocky? Yeah, Rocky boxed ET in a jungle. Like what the fuck? Like that is either complete bullshit or that is the thought <laughs> of somebody high off their ass on cocaine. I guess. I mean, there there was probably a lot of cocaine slinging around. I mean, to think of some of this stuff, but yeah, Rocky versus ET, and ET is such. It's E.T. He's, he just wants to go home. He's not trying to rip anybody's <laughs> spine out. The, the <laughs> obvious answer is Rambo versus the Xenomorph, right? Or the yes. Rambo versus the alien from Aliens, right? Mm -hmm. So I don't, I don't understand that. Uh, the second unit director <laughs> on this movie was Craig Baxley, and you may know him as the stunt coordinator uh, for the A-Team. So uh, they actually went in. The production of this is insane because it was broken up by six months, and we'll get into that. But um, a lot of the more explosive action sequences, the where they they take the village, um, that was all done by second unit, and he choreographed the whole thing. They pyroed the whole thing, and it was all done with the A team crew, the guys who did all the pyro for the A team. And John McTiernan, allegedly, when he started to get the dailies back, because he wasn't involved with that part of the shoot, threw a fit and wanted it all cut from the film because he, he wasn't trying to make a, he, he pitched this whole movie and he was promised that he wasn't making a big Arnold Schwarzenegger stupid action movie like Commando. But he's so good at that. I know he uh. is. But he, what he wanted to make was a straight horror movie with slight, slight action elements to it. And I think when you really watch the movie, uh, the pacing of it, other than a, that big action sequence, 
That's really what it is. It's very oh, yeah. this is, methodical. This is horror. This is horror. Yeah. You 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 get the stalking and um slashing. It's a slasher film. Yes. You're picking them off one by one and you get some amazing kills in this movie. Absolutely. Now there's another urban legend. This is allegedly true though, Lindsay. Was that Shane Black <laughs> was only hired as an actor because they wanted him to do rewrites on the dialogue. But once they got down mm-hmm. to Mexico, he refused to do the rewrites because he said, I'm just here as an actor. So he never, oh like, some people have said, well, he, he like, uh, was like secret, did a secret rewrite on the dialogue. And that's why he has all the jokes that he has. And when not true, allegedly, it's not true because he refused to do it. He's like, I'm not getting paid for it. I'm not doing it. I'm just an actor in this. Oh, see, I'd heard the first part. I had not heard the second part that he refused to do it. That actually That's comes from that actually comes from one of the producers of the movie who did an interview about mm. it, and he was pissed at him. Huh. He was he was he was still mad. He's like, we brought this is why we brought yeah. you down here, and you didn't do it because he wasn't oh, known man, really as funny. an actor. So they're like, we didn't want to. Fu- no. We only we hired you as an actor as a fucking favor, man. It was just a way to sneak you onto the goddamn set. And he, we got down to Mexico, and it, it, the quote's like, we got down to Mexico. Guy fucking refused to do what we told him. <laughs> So this whole thing is crazy. That sounds like something Shane Black would do. Yes, it does. Uh, And there's worse sins that he's committed. We'll get to them. Yes. This movie was shot in Puerto Vallarta in summertime. Here's the only problem, Lindsay. It's not green in Puerto Vallarta in summertime. It's brown. It's brown. And do you know why it was shot half of it in Puerto Vallarta? Uh, probably for some reason, like Arnold couldn't get his, uh, cigars into the other location or something like Not that. Not Arnold. <laughs> Arnold, by all accounts, was all business, was super he humble. He is. Was he awesome is. on the set. Nobody has a bad <laughs> word. It was because Joel Silver had a beachfront condo in Puerto Vallarta and John McTiernan rented one next to him. So they wanted to oh, be God. by their, their, by their vacation houses. Even though it was completely wrong, and they eventually had to pick up the entire production and move it to a different part of Mexico. Because what they were Holy doing shit. was to, to film in Puerto Vallarta, they had to hire locals to work on the film. Mm-hmm. None of them had any film experience to the point that when they were doing the, setting up the lights and the lighting, they were using the wrong fixtures. And during the first part of the shoot, all the lights would explode. So the guy, oh <laughs> the guy. <laughs> Who was, was like on the production crew and the second unit director, Craig Baxley. They had to call people in Australia for a crew they had worked on on a, uh, the, the previous film they had just been on. Find everybody with available passports and like fly them over red eye from Australia to Mexico to be able to continue the first round of production. Because it was going That's that crazy. bad. And, <laughs> and you do know that they actually had to fly in greenery. That was in potted like potted plants, and they were setting it up ar- behind each and oh every shot. God. And they had a crew that was picking up green leaves and different things like that. Yeah, well, and, I knew they were they were they were painting some stumps yeah. and had a lot of spray paint on yeah. sets. So there's whole stretches of this movie where everything you see was staged behind them, even though they were really in a jungle location oh because they planned so poorly. Damn. There's another weird little story here, which is that Arnold actually got married uh, during this time, and he left for his honeymoon on a Friday, Did the re- made it in time for the rehearsal dinner, got married on Saturday, had a two-day honeymoon, and was back on set to film by that Wednesday. That's insane. 
I know his wife was not too happy because he was more focused on the film than he was their wedding. Yes. <laughs> now you are a wife, right? Among many I other am. things. <laughs> uh, how would you feel if your husband, or how would your husband feel? It's a gender neutral world. How would That's your true. husband feel if you took an acting gig or you decided to record a 50 hour episode about predator movies with binge movies instead of going on your honeymoon? I know it's, it's been a minute since you've been married, but <laughs> well, let's, 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 let's roll that tape forward. What would your husband say if you were like, um, I got two days for this honeymoon. I got to get back and talk about uh, Alien versus Predator Requiem. Right. I, it would probably depend on how much I was getting paid. <laughs> I, think, I think that would soften the blow a little. <laughs> I'm sure Arnold got paid quite handsomely for this film. I'm sure he did, but that's, is that the note you want to start on your, your oh, marriage? No. Like, oh, that's no. literally he, like the foundation of your life together. Oh, no. And, and that marriage did not end very happily. If so, so I mean, I <laughs> I think that was a sign going in. Maybe I don't know. <laughs> okay, the original production schedule for this movie was it was supposed to be a fifty six day shoot. Okay, that's not long, especially back then. It was not a long period no. of time. After forty eight days, less than half of the movie had been shot. So they shut down the production. And then, like, basically the final straw, and this is, of course, famous, is the original suit for the Predator looked like a bug. And it, yeah, and poor Jean-Claude Van Damme. <laughs> well, I'm going <laughs> to kick it over to you because, Jean-Claude, you're an expert in all things Van Damme. So I'm going to kick that over to you. But they got the suit, and they're like, this looks like shit. We got a handful mm -hmm. of days left to shoot this stuff. They just shut the production down. And the studio actually was not going to finish the film. They were not going to release oh, it. Joel Silver had to go beg for more time and more money from the studio because they were like, what the fuck is this? What are you doing? <laughs> and, they started, and, and the only thing that saved it was they, McTiernan uh, basically did like a secret edit of the footage he was getting. And mm -hmm. they showed that to the studio and they started to get the ideas like a, like a, like a Hail Mary, like this is what we're going for. And mm -hmm. it was ironically... The scene shot by Craig Baxley that McTiernan originally was like, fuck this, get this out of this movie. That even it was cut down, by the way. But it was the explosions that they were like, okay, all right, this is gonna be a hit. And they let they gave more time and more money. Now, somewhere, mm -hmm. there's about five different stories of this as to what went down. What is mm -hmm. this during this time, this limbo period, Jean-Claude Van Damme was fired off of this movie. What, yes. what was his role? Why was he fired, Lindsay? Uh, what's, well, what's the story you've heard is probably the best way to well, put it. Well, I've, I've heard a couple different reasons, too, and I'm sure it's an amalgamation of all of them. Yeah. Um, and they hired him to do it because uh, they wanted a very lithe predator who could do jumps and kicks and all this kind of stuff. So yeah. they got him. But the suit was so restrictive for him, the suit that was designed, this bug creature, that looked like shit that John McTiernan hated. He's like, that's exactly what we are trying not to do. Yeah. Um, he couldn't he couldn't move like he like they wanted him to. That was that was the biggest reason. The, the one reason. Another reason that it was so hot on location and so hot in that suit that he kept passing out. Yes. He would get overheated and keep passing out. Another reason is that he found out people weren't gonna be able to see his face. <laughs> Right, that's that's allegedly another reason. 
<laughs> and there's a, allegedly another reason, which is the way that they did this is the chroma key, the because they needed somebody live on set or on location, but they wanted to do the it's it's uh, not outlet matte paintings. They were going to do mm-hmm. inlet matte, matte paintings, which is basically yeah. to create that refracted look, the invisibility yeah. look of the bending light around the creature. Uh, so he had to wear a red suit because typically, Super red. yeah, you'd ha- typically you'd be green, but everything was green. Mm-hmm. So they had to make him red to stand in contrast to the jungle. And he, uh, this is another urban legend, whatever, whatever. <laughs> he didn't understand why he was red. And yeah. eventually, like apparently he threw a fit because he thought that the, the suit basically that was kind of, you know, doing what we would call today motion capture. Yeah, that that suit was. He thought that that was going to be the finished product. <laughs> yeah, and allegedly he couldn't he threw, quite grasp. Yeah, he threw a fit, and they tried to explain it to him, and he still didn't get it. So they just fired him. <laughs> there, there's about three more versions of that story. Nobody yeah. can confirm all the details, so you're probably right. No. Right, is that they are probably an amalgamation of all of it. He's probably a pain in the ass because yeah. he always was. <laughs> Didn't get it. I love I love Jean Claude Van Damme, but I he could be a little bit of a diva. So yeah, he's a pain in the ass. Yes. <laughs> you know he always wants to do splits. He always wants to show off his ass. He had a nice ass for a time. Uh, he he was, did. He was. He did. He was great at the splits. You know he's he's a sexy sexy boy, but that's not the role that we were hiring him for. He wasn't here to be a no. beef boy. He was here to be no. a predator. And so instead, who do they get to replace him? Oh, I can never remember this guy's name. Uh, he's like seven foot one. He was the xenomorph. Can... It's Kevin. Yeah, the guy who plays the xenomorph. Kevin Hill. Kevin, Kevin Hall. Uh, Kevin Peter Hall. Ke- yeah. yeah, it's Kevin, Kevin Peter, Peter Hall. Hall. Yeah. So Kevin Peter Hall is brought in because he had famously done the xenomorph, right? And mm-hmm. then on top of that. Uh, Arnold's like, I just worked with this guy on the Terminator named Stan Winston. Have him design the alien. And thank God. <laughs> and Stan very quickly, by the way, very little time, puts together this creature because the gap in production mm-hmm. was about six months. Yeah. And, and before they went back to Mexico and finished the film. And when they show up for the second part of production, they have the classic Predator. This suit is up there with Creature from the Black Lagoon. Yeah, it's, it's iconic. It is. It's so well designed and it works so well. And, and James Cameron had a little, little piece of it as well. Have you heard that story? I have not heard the story. Well, evidently, uh, um, Stan Winston and James Cameron were flying somewhere. I think, I, I can't remember exactly where, but they were seated next to each other on a flight and Stan is working on the design on the plane. Because he has so little time to work on it. And evidently, James Cameron had suggested the mandible mouth That's, for the design. Well, that is one of the most, like, standout, <laughs> unique, awesome parts of this creature. Exactly. The, I mean, the climax of the movie is basically the face reveal of this monster, right? Mm-hmm. And th- that's what stands out to you is this sort of weird crab-like mm-hmm. vaginal face, you know? Yes. And, and it's... it's it is perfect. It's a perfect creature. Mm-hmm. It is one of, if not, like it is. That and the Xenomorph are the two greatest monsters created 
in the 20th mm-hmm. century. They just are. They are. And and it, it just, it's just so, even though it's this ugly thing, it's just, it's put together so well because yes. it's big and it's huge, but it's not bulky. Yes. It's, it's very trim and you've got the quill dreadlock things yeah. going on and, and that adds an extra layer to it. And, and just like the netting that it wears, you know, as, as part of its armor, it's just so intricate and well thought out. And, and it's convincing. It's cool. It's cool. Yes. It just fucking looks cool. It doesn't <laughs> look like a guy in a suit. No, it does not. It looks like an actual living humanoid creature. Mm-hmm. and that that is way harder to pull off. I mean, I mean, yes, it is. The, it, the vast majority of movie history, monster movie history, sci-fi movie history, the creatures are typically a letdown. Even if the movie yes. is good, which is also <laughs> rare, the creatures like that kind of sucks, right? Like I love the thing. Mm-hmm. I love the thing. Okay, the end. And I know it was rushed, and they didn't get to fully execute it, and blah 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 blah. But the stop motion creature at the end, it's like all the different amalgamation of all the different monsters and yeah. this and that. It doesn't look that it, great. No, it well, it and pales it, in comparison to the other other yes. creatures we saw throughout that film. So it was like we were here and here, and then we just went yep. at the end. And that proves how hard it is because that movie is mm-hmm. masterfully done, and it is known done. to this day for its creature effects. Mm-hmm. And so it's just really, really, really hard to pull off the the ultimate creature for whatever your movie is if it's a creature feature. Yes. And that's mm-hmm. that's very much in the no pun intended DNA of this film. This is a creature feature. Oh yes. Mm-hmm. And if you don't get the creature right, it's just another B movie that maybe is fun, but but it's 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 like ah, it's it's one of Arnold's lesser works. And I would argue. Mm-hmm. This is right up there. This is, you know, if you go the the Arnold Mount Rushmore, this is on there, hands this down. This is on there. Yeah. Well, and in, in addition to that design and just the look of the Predator, everything else that goes into it just made it so much more believable. Just the way it operates, the voice mimic stuff, yeah. the infrared vision, all its cool weapons and toys, yep. and how it has this code about it. You know, it has this hunter's code. That's exactly where I was going to go. That is one of the... We haven't even gotten to the movie yet. I know. <laughs> but that is, I was going to say, it, that is the, of all, out of all these movies, right? That mm-hmm. is the coolest thing about this creature is that they yes. very cleverly, it's not just, it's not a monster. No. It's an alien. So it looks monstrous to us. We very clearly look monstrous to it. <laughs> yes. Right? It thinks we're <laughs> ugly. We think it's ugly, but it does have a code. It doesn't it just, does. and some of these movies kind of lose the plot with that, but. And we'll get a little to bit, it. yes. <laughs> but they're not just going around killing people willy-nilly. They're coming here for a specific no. purpose. They're intentionally going <laughs> to kind of more remote locations, right? As, mm-hmm. Especially in this first film. Yes. They're not targeting people who aren't part of the hunt. They have no interest in just going around massacring people or just... They want a challenge. They're going there to challenge themselves. They're going there to challenge themselves to get their trophies, which is grotesque. Mm-hmm. And is horrific and horrifying to us because it's happening to us. But as uh-huh. it's no different than than your uncle who's got a deer hanging up in his garage because it's cold enough, and has has got a <laughs> drip pan under for get all the blood out, yep. right? Mm-hmm. Like if you've ever had venison stew or deer jerky, it's delicious. You're the predator, you buddy. Got- <laughs> exactly, exactly. And I don't even think they're eating us. I think they're just hunting us, right? No. 
No, they just want the trophy. Yeah, and so they're you know, and again, if they if if, if an innocent is put in their way, they have no interest. No, they will not harm. So hey, that is so. It's a, a wrinkle that is so because the, the 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 most obvious way to play this, especially in during this slasher period that the 80s were mm -hmm. and the action period and the gore period is just to make it a monster it's just this alien yeah. who's just a monster and it's just it's it, just gonna kill everything kill everything right <coughs> that's not what this creature is and i know it sounds so simple but that simple hunter's it's, code that is never it's so effective very rarely stated it's just implied and then they eventually just start mm -hmm. fucking saying it out loud <laughs> but right? this movie does such a good job of just slowly revealing to you facts about this creature because we have to remember this is the first film so we don't know what this predator is we don't mm -hmm. know what it the first time we're seeing it in 1987 we don't know what it looks like we don't know what its nope. purpose is why the fuck is it skinning people who's skinning people right? what is this that brings me to my first question the movie opens with a shot of the spaceship does that opening reveal take something away from the movie because the rest of the movie I'm going to break it down by time code. Mm -hmm. um, McTiernan is intentionally, like you said, building suspense and tension. Mm -hmm. It starts off as a grounded, semi-grounded, but, <laughs> but <laughs> semi -grounded. you know, we have a, we're having a lot of conflict at this time, you know, with mm -hmm. the, the, basically the CIA is sticking in his nose where it doesn't belong in the drug trade and, yep. and weapons and all kind of stuff because of the fear of communism and the Cold War and all this sort of stuff. And so that's what baked in this movie. You've got like the most Vietnam movie that isn't actually in Vietnam. <laughs> right. Right. So you kind of got a little bit of that like regurgitation of Vietnam sort of stuff, which is, you know, Vietnam movies were like all the rage during this period. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's all Chuck Norris was doing. Um, <laughs> and of course, the Rambo series, which we already covered. Right. So yep. we got that element in there. And so it's like, okay, we got some cliches. We got some stereotypes that we're very familiar with. Mm -hmm. But the whole movie is playing against those stereotypes and yes. actually slowing the movie down. If you look at the pacing mm -hmm. of the first 45 to 52 minutes of this film, it moves very methodically and kind of slowly, mm -hmm. barring that one action sequence. Yeah. And yeah, watching it again just recently, because um, it had been a couple of years since I put it, put it on. Yeah. Um, you don't, you really don't need that opening shot of the ship. It's the same thing with the thing. Yeah. They do the same damn thing with the thing. Yep. And that's something the studio wanted put it put in there. And I don't know if that's the case with this one. But it's like, it is such a better reveal and the suspense grows more and and your mind just starts going crazy. Like, what? what is this thing in the jungle? But you already know it's an alien because they showed you that right away. And right. I mean, it doesn't ruin the movie by any means, but, but if without that shot, the, the introduction that we get to this creature is so, it's so, it, it sparks your curiosity so much. Cause first we get the infrared vision. That's, yes. I think it's the first, first notion that we get yes. of this creature. And the first time we actually see any part of the creature is its hand in, in the infrared. Yep. And it's like this claw. And so, okay, you're, you're like, okay, this isn't someone with like infrared vision glasses on or anything. Yep. This is some kind of creature. And, and it just blows your mind. 
Wouldn't that so, wouldn't that have worked so much better as that's the first oh, clue? So much better. Yeah. So much better. And I, I love movies like that where one kind of movie interrupts another kind of yep. movie. Like you get that with Dust Till Dawn. You think yep. it's this gritty crime getaway film, and then all of a sudden, holy shit, vampires. Yep. You know? And that's the same this this movie does the same thing where, you know, it's this gritty action, it's so much testosterone yep. pumped into this film, and then all of a sudden it's like, holy shit, we're being hunted by an alien. Yeah, it's so much testosterone, it's almost to the point of like <laughs> satire of the yes. the movies. Like it's it's never like completely winking at you, but you definitely get the sense no. that they're, they're they're pumping this up to kind of they're they're fucking with us, right? They're, they're, oh, yeah. They're, they're, oh, they're yeah. creating this movie that would have made sense in the 80s of like, yeah, whatever, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, I'm a goddamn sexual tyrannosaurus, you know. Tyrannosaurus. You know, and like, you're like, okay, all right, you know, Jesse the Body and all this sort of stuff. And, every, oh, and all the, just the actors, yeah, the actors they put in this and just that initial meeting between yep. Arnold and Carl Weathers where they're, yep. you know, they get that close up of the muscles and you're like, okay, I know what kind of movie this is. I know what you're trying to do. But then McTiernan <laughs> throws that movie in the shit can mm-hmm. and goes, nah, that's not actually what this type of movie is. Like that got you in the door. But actually by mm-hmm. the, by the time we get to like the 30 minute mark, these guys are all pissed scared. Yeah. They're all like, what the fuck? We got to get the fuck out of here. Right. <laughs> all that machismo is out like, right. Cause that all boils down that line where he's like, I'm scared. Poncho is like, bullshit. You don't fear no man. <laughs> And he's like, ain't, ain't no, no man, man, Poncho. You know, ain't yeah, no man. Ain't no man. Mm-hmm. And it's like all that testosterone, all that bravado. And the other thing, right, is other, uh, uh, you know, other uh, like outside of that scene with the flexing biceps and Dylan, you son of a bitch. <laughs> outside of that, Arnold is playing this straight. Mm-hmm. He's not doing commando here. He's not doing no. what that was the biggest movie he was just coming off of. Everybody else, yeah. they're acting is kind of up here. They're overacting. We got fucking, you know, Bill Duke shaving himself. I'm going right? to bleed you. I'm going <laughs> to stick you. You know, like even before he goes crazy, he's crazy. Right. Arnold's not doing it. Arnold is like sedate. Arnold, Arnold almost seems like a real person. Mm-hmm. Um, the only the, like we get some bombastic stuff. The biggest bombastic thing in this movie is the score, Alan Silvestri's score, and it's so great. It's great, but I almost feel at times it like crowds out the movie because the score is, and I, and I don't know. I would love to test this to watch the movie mm-hmm. and watch it almost on mute because if you really watch it, you watch how the camera racks and tracks through mm-hmm. the jungle. It's it moves very slowly. Just like yes, you would does. if you were an infiltration unit moving through the jungle. But the mm-hmm. score, like these guys are like crawling on their bellies very slowly. And the score's like, and it's like, it's like this weird juxtaposition of like high bombastic action score with them not doing a whole lot. And I'm like, I think it works. But at the same time, it's like, I think it gives the movie like a verve that maybe audience was, would have been bored. Because there's not much happening until about the halfway mark of the film? It's it's possible. I always saw that score as kind of reflecting the two genres that were being melded mm. in the film. Because we get this great action score with the, you know, the dun 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 dun, dun you know, yeah. all those drums. Yeah. And then we get the little bit more alien stuff. with it sounds almost like bongos a little bit. Yeah, That starts to creep in a little bit. Yes. And that's, that's more when we get some of the alien stuff and, like, if, like... 
after a kill that usually creeps in. And yes. so I, I that's what I've always loved about that score is it's it's just kind of reflecting those two genres coming together. That's a very good point. Now I have a couple of questions for you because just okay. just like the right there with your salient point. You make a lot of salient points, Lindsay. <clears throat> Dutch claims that his team are a rescue team and not mercenaries. But mm-hmm. everything about this team screams, screams mercenaries. The operators. You have a fucking minigun detached from right? a goddamn helicopter and you're traipsing <laughs> through the jungle as a, as a stealth infiltration unit with a fucking minigun? Right? <laughs> And, and no, and and yeah, it does not make any sense. They're com- they're mercs. Yes, they're mercs. that's all they are. And also, everybody <laughs> else on the team, everybody else other than Dutch, seems crazy. They seem like psychopaths. They're all fucking nuts. So, but that's what I that's what I love. Another thing I love about this movie is each one of them has their own shtick, yep. their own thing. They're all. Not necessarily three dimensional, but no. they're not just stock. They're not just stock tough guys. Yeah. They all have their own thing and their own attitude, and and like Sonny Ladman is just great. I love him in this movie. They had to hire a bodyguard to protect other people from him to protect the crew and the cast <laughs> from him because he was that crazy. Yeah, yeah, he was <laughs> notorious for being a deeply violent problematic man <laughs> but he oh god he sells it so well on camera that he's just he's just got this quiet menace about him yes. another great movie with him where he plays a character like that is best of the best too if you haven't seen that movie go check it out <laughs> is eric roberts even in that one yes and he's wearing extreme deep v t-shirts Ooh, for some reason <laughs> deep v yeah we gotta bring that back um this now everybody of course talks about all the different things and the memes and this and that from this the one that doesn't that 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 always hits my ear is like i don't even think that's a real phrase is when when i think it might be poncho's like strap this on your sore ass blaine yeah what the fuck does that mean why would you strap a machine gun onto your sore ass he doesn't say like shove it up your ass or stick it up your ass or Fuck you in the ass. He says, strap this on your sore ass. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. It's never made any sense. <laughs> so I, w- I just had to know here, Lindsay, explain this to me. But you can't, apparently. I can't. I don't know what that means. I Yeah, because it should be stick it up your ass or shove it up your ass. But strap it on your ass? I don't. Why would you strap anything on your ass? <laughs> I don't, I, I, especially a gun. I don't know. Now, I think you will be able to explain this to me. <laughs> it's time for a little thing we like to call beef break. I want to have a little beef break here. Okay. Who is the better, bigger, juicier beef in this movie? Carl Weathers or Arnold Schwarzenegger? Well, I mean, Arnold did lose about 20 pounds for this movie. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so, I mean, Carl Weathers was giving him a run for his money. But I always got to go with Arnold. You can only have one. You know, hang on now. You can only have one beef award, and you got to give it to the juiciest beef boy. Who is the lord of beef in this film? Are you saying it's Arnold? I'd say it's the predator. Oh, <laughs> he's 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 uh, juicy, bouncy, sizzling. Yeah. Okay, the predator <laughs> gets the beef award. All right. 
Let's move through some. One thing. Go ahead. One, one thing with Carl Weathers and and their relationship, and he's on this film, and he's done stuff with Stallone. Why was he never in any of the Expendables films? That I don't understand. Yeah. I, n- I never. I me, I assume there's some kind of. To me, the biggest mis- love lost there. The, I don't know. The biggest misfire of the last twenty years are the Expendables Expendables movies, because the premise alone. Is it should have made four hundred million dollars? It should. If have, you yeah. have written a halfway decent script without an <laughs> ounce of cleverness to it and put some actual money behind it instead of weird mm. laundered Russian money, it would have <laughs> been a. I mean, come on, that's nobody's talking about this, but the Russians right? are laundering dirty money into these fake production companies to make movies. <laughs> like that's what's happening. So. I, uh, I don't know why nobody says anything probably because they'll kill you but right <laughs> but I, it's just it's, it's like it's such a misfire such a miss but uh, I, mm-hmm. we got some misfires in this series i guess i, I can't go oh, on yes. my rant i can't go on my rant <laughs> the thing i love about this movie is it does have its one-liners beyond the memes it has phrases like time to get old painless out of the bag yes uh, one of my favorite, all-time favorite, and I say it to my one friend in particular all the time, no matter what he's doing, I say to him, you ghost us, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> no matter what is happening, I will randomly text him that. He, he, he is a ghost doctor, and he is at the hospital working hospice care, and I will text oh, him, you ghost us, motherfucker. <laughs> Do it again, and I'll bleed you real slow. <laughs> so quiet, like quiet, like just the, the cadence he says that in is yeah. just great. I'll bleed you really quiet and leave you here. Got that? <laughs> yeah, uh, oh, of course. There's so many great one-liners. Yeah. I've always liked "Stick Around" just because it's so simple and stupid. It's the dumbest one in the movie, right? It's <laughs> the dumbest. So, it's so it, it's very much like that's like a typical Arnold for this era. Yeah. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. Son of a bitch is dug in like an Alabama tick. <laughs> of course, I ain't got, I ain't got time, time to, to bleed. bleed. Oh yeah. And uh, <laughs> my the, the, honestly, what makes that and nobody ever points this out is the other guy's response when he's like, "Hey, Blaine, you're bleeding." He's like, "I ain't got time to bleed." The other guy just looks at him and goes, "Oh, uh, okay." <laughs> <laughs> you got time to duck? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's just the oh okay like okay. like this guy's crazy and that's what sells the line and he's like yeah well you got yes. time to duck it's the response and that is mm-hmm. what makes this movie in its goofier parts and its more traditional eighties action parts so yes. such a strong movie like you were saying is they are kind of these one dimensional characters but there's enough cleverness there's so much personality, personality within right, it that the play off of each other. It it it, mm-hmm. it 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 they feel like a real unit of guys, and of course they were forced to yes. do like real unit training, and mm-hmm. um, for a few weeks in the real jungle, and they all got sick and had diarrhea, uh, <laughs> and that was famous. They all got horribly ill on this movie, and were like, yeah, like lifting and trying to gain mass while at the same time they were mm-hmm. losing weight from the heat and from like not being able to like keep a meal in. So it's crazy. Uh, Arnold, this is one of the movies where Arnold brought his world famous gym, which is now what The Rock does, where he just would ship a gym to wherever in the world he was. This is one of the first times Arnold does that. Rock has his Iron Paradise. He got the idea from Predator. Um, <laughs> it's, but it's it's 
like we were saying, you you build these guys, you build the facade, you play into all mm-hmm. of the Reagan era machismo stereotypes, right? Yes. Bigger, badder, faster machismo, baby oil, ugh, guns, machine guns, <laughs> ugh, and it's all worthless. They're yeah, all just it does firing into the jungle. The yeah. minigun is going off, and it's supposed to be this badass scene, and they don't hit a goddamn thing. They got they got a, like a they don't hit they shit. don't hit shit. They empty an entire fucking minigun, and it's like there's a little bit of blood on a leaf, mm-hmm. little bit of blood. No, that's that's such a great scene. I love that scene because it <laughs> it tells so much. Just that one scene, and it's just uber ridiculous and silly because they're firing this minigun everyone else has no idea what they're shooting at or why they're shooting they just come on and start they're like oh he's shooting i'm gonna shoot too and they're shooting grenade launchers and just emptying their clips at the jungle and they don't even hit it they scratch it that's it no it's it's great yeah the first 52 minutes is there's hints of something otherworldly like we talked about Mm -hmm. they attack the camp Arnie deadlifts a truck bomb. We have incredible <laughs> explosions. It's all A-team shit, which makes perfect sense now. It it's, is. The incredible mm-hmm. explosions. Squibs out the wazoo. You got long burn fire stunts. All of it's being mm-hmm. done by the dozens. There's dozens of people on fire doing yes. long burn <laughs> stunts. There's <laughs> dozens of commies springboarding for whatever reason off of actual buildings and flaming free fall. And... All of that leads up to their complete, their masculinity is completely ineffectual. Mm-hmm. They're up against something that does not give a shit about your politics. They're up against something that doesn't give a shit about how much you bench, how big your gun nope. is. They're up against something. <laughs> it, it, and, it, it, and that's when you really look at the movie, even though it doesn't beat you over the head with it, it does it in such a subtle way. It's one of those things where your, mm-hmm. your brain picks up on it. And yep. You're like, oh, this is something different. And this movie has that like something different quality about it. And that's what mm-hmm. it is, which is a, it's a it's a deconstruction of the genre it is without being an obvious deconstruction. So it isn't oh, just yeah. a genre mashup, it's a deconstruction of the genre. No. Even when, like we said, when we get to that alien, those alien parts at, after the 52 minute mark, it's a deconstruction mm-hmm. of that because he's not just a mindless killing machine. He's an intelligent no humanoid creature with a code who's just here for mm-hmm. sport that's completely yes. different than anything we'd ever seen before or since yes and i love in talking about with that deconstruction because by the end his muscles his gut he, he's stripped of all that yep. none of that has worked he's stripped of all that and all he has is is his smarts his thinking he's got to outwit this creature and so by the end they've got it where the roles have essentially flip-flopped because now Arnold is hunting the predator and we get some of those same scenes that the humans went through against the predator that the predator is going through against this human. There's that scene where he's firing wildly into the jungle and he's trying to sneak around, but he can't see his enemy. And that's just done so well. And it makes, it elevates this even more above just a, an action sci-fi film. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Is it time to return to the jungle action movie? Because right now, only The Rock is keeping the torch lit. Or do we need more <laughs> jungle movies? I I would love a, a jungle action movie that isn't like 85% CGI. <laughs> I don't, you, you know? Yes. <laughs> return to practical effects and practical locations. 
I, w- I would be all for that. <laughs> yeah, the deaths, when, they, when the deaths do come in this film, they come fast and furious. 42-minute mm-hmm. mark, oh, yeah. Shane Black gets killed. Uh, allegedly, the same producer that was like, fuck that guy, we brought him down here to do rewrites, said that they... Re- fuck him, let's kill him. <laughs> they rewrote it to where he died first. <laughs> so they kill him. And then they kill him, and it reveals the invisibility. He just gets <clears throat> dragged mm-hmm. away, right? 47 minute mark jesse ventura gets a chest burst of another sort that's so gnarly i love it very gnarly question for you are blaine and mac lovers i think so they're well they're friends but (laughs) who who knows what happens like you know in the deserts of afghanistan Yeah, and, oh, <laughs> things happen. You I, never I don't know. know. They're, they're, I understand they're friends. They're war buddies. They've been through hell together. They've survived. There, there always seemed to be something homoerotic about the relationship. <laughs> it's very possible. I mean, because that uh, that very sentimental music comes in, like not quite when taps. Max thinking about it. <laughs> yeah. not quite taps. And he's sitting there having a conversation with him, yeah. and and it's it's a very poignant moment. So I mean, obviously this this guy meant a, a little bit more than the others did to him. Yep, <laughs> to say the least. Yeah, fifty two <laughs> minutes we get the fake out boar attack, mm-hmm. and Poncho gets late log jammed, and it's an hour and seven minutes into the movie before we get the full reveal of the predator. Mm-hmm. Mac goes nuts, gets his head blown up. Dylan immediately gets his arm blown off. Oh, man. And then we cut to that for to Billy dumping perfectly good weapons and self-mutilating himself in a log, which never made any sense to mm-hmm. me. And I think, like, the one critique you could kind of have is he's definitely being presented, Billy is definitely being presented as, like, the noble Native American cliche who's like, yes. I can sense yes. track and I can do all this sort of stuff. And he's like, oh, you know, I'm a true mm-hmm. warrior kind of shit. But it was always dumb to me of him just offloading everything. And because at this point, they've, they've, have they figured out at this point? Because has Arnold kicked the gun out of her hand yet? Or is that after Billy's dead? Um, it's after. It's after okay. that. So, I but, say, but, I, but I think, but I think Sonny Ladman's character, he, he, he understands what this thing is way before anybody else yes. does. And so I think to him, he's like, I'm not going to go out trying to run away. This guy is, is a warrior. I'm going to present my warrior self to him and die an honorable death, I guess. So you think it's more like he knows he's going to die? Yes. I see. Well, he does have the line of like, mm-hmm. we're all going to die here, Poncho. <laughs> so maybe yeah. he does. Yeah, maybe he, 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 yeah, I think he knows. And he knew, he knew way before anybody else did that, that there is something otherworldly after them. Well, it always blows my mind is every time I fire this movie up and I watch it frequently, <laughs> Arnold is, when you think about the movie, you think about it as Arnold alone in the jungle fighting this, the predator. It's only yeah. the last 20 minutes of the movie that that happens. Mm-hmm. No, this is an ensemble film. Yeah. It's not just an, it's not an Arnold film. It's an ensemble film because for because like you said, he, he cut, it's a dialed back performance for him. Yeah. He doesn't take the lead he doesn't have the lead personality because that's another thing with arnold films is he's just this over-the-top imposing personality figure not just physically but just what he does and how he does it and in this film he he takes not a back seat but just like the passenger seat yeah 
in in some of the stuff. And I think that makes it work even better. Do you have a preference? Do you prefer the lead up, the more eighties action portion? Do you prefer after that fifty two minute where he goes monster movie? Do you prefer the last twenty minutes where it's you know mono e alien? Which which do you have a preference for what part of the movie you think works the best? Um, I think it all works great, and I love all of it. This this is one of my favorite Arnold films, yeah. um, and one of my favorite action movies, action sci-fi. I think where this movie really works the best is that middle part, mm. where they're trying to figure out what they're up against and trying to figure out how they can protect themselves, how they can be on the attack instead of the defensive, and just them figuring out what's going on. I think... I think is the meat of the story. Hmm. To me, but it's all great. Yeah, it is. It <laughs> is all great. What separates this from ten million other B movies, and especially all the ones that would come in its wake, all of the the guys mm-hmm. in the woods, uh, uh, Deadly Prey, and all this other sort of stuff, <laughs> that are like Rambo ripoffs and Predator ripoffs, and uh, uh, mm-hmm. you know. Who's the guy that made all the Predator ripoffs? And Don Dolor. Don Dolor. There we go. I knew you would know. <laughs> Uh, (laughs) is stuff like this there's a one shot it's of arnie he's army crawling down towards the hostile camp Mm -hmm. and the camera is looking down over him down into the valley Mm -hmm. and it just follows him it's it's an unedited one shot and it follows him Mm -hmm. down this hill down this ravine and the camera's changing its slope and changing angle and eventually comes down and around him and up over his shoulder so that as he's, mm-hmm. as he's looking over a log down into this camp, the camera's coming up just before him. Mm-hmm. And it's stuff like that. There's so many great tracking shots. There's, the camera is, yes, moves so fluidly, which I don't even know how the hell they did that, but these big bulky cameras in a real right? jungle with the heat oh. and the humidity and you have real people are carrying this equipment through real jungle. Yeah. And but it's it's the creative camera angles. It's the choices to show us things, to communicate mm-hmm. to us visually. We learn so much yes. about the predator just by watching it in insert shots, a quick shot mm-hmm. of it doing something. In a movie lets our brain make the connections, lets our mind figure it out. So it feels smarter because of that because it's not Mm -hmm. force feeding us information like almost all of these fucking sequels do they just like spell it out for you this one doesn't and it's so much more interesting and so much more satisfying and it it, it goes into direction and apparently second unit (laughs) direction yes that that it's it's the filmmaking that separates this from all the other b movies action or horror of the era no i i love john mctiernan he he directs action so well because it's because he's he's delicate with it yeah. in the way that he does it, and um, just recently I I popped in Die Hard uh, a couple months ago around Christmas time, like I always do, and just th- those opening shots when when the terrorists are coming into the building and getting into their their areas they need to, yeah. everything is just so choreographed, and the camera moves with them, yep. and it's just done so well, and he does that in this movie too. And it, God, he directs action so fucking well. He's just so good at it's it. So it's so smooth and so mm-hmm. yeah. And that's what separates this from so many other movies, including every other movie in this franchise. 
which is why for me, it is, of course, the number one movie. It's the best of the best. And it is, it is. to me, a nine out of 10. What's your score? Where would you rank this for the week? Oh, it's definitely number one. Yeah. I mean, I think that was a given going in that, <laughs> yeah. that this is the best. We spent an hour um, talking but, about only this movie. I know. So yes. And, yeah. <laughs> and the, I, I've got other notes of other things that yeah, I wrote down. Same. But I mean, so much has been said about this movie already yeah. because it is so great. And, and it's got so many great things in it to talk about. And it's, it's a fun movie to talk about yeah. and watch. But yeah, it's my number one, nine out of 10. It's. It's all it's fucking awesome. It's a predator. <laughs> so it is being added to the guest list and the short list, which makes everything else we're about to talk about probably moot towards the end of the season. But <laughs> we got to talk about like 15 more of these movies. So let's keep it moving. Right. Let's talk about a movie I used to absolutely adore. Does it still hold up? I'm talking about 1990s derided, but kind of loved. Predator 2, which currently has a 30% on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> he has thermal image vision. Optic prism body armor. Laser-guided smart weapons. All-terrain mobility. Hazardous atmosphere compensators. And this Thanksgiving, he's in town with a few days to kill. Predator 2, rated R. Predator 2 was directed by Stephen Hopkins. I guess it's a triumphant return of sorts because he directed Nightmare on Elm Street 5, The Dream Child, which is dog shit. I have a soft spot in my heart for, for that one. Oh, <laughs> He also directed 1998's Lost in Space, which is also dog shit. Um, it is written uh, that this was based on characters by Jim Thomas, John Thomas. Allegedly, they get a writing credit on this, although it doesn't feel like they actually worked on it. It's the triumphant yeah. return of Danny Glover, last seen in Lethal Weapon 4. Triumphant return of Gary Busey, last seen in The Firm. It is the triumphant return of the late, great Bill Paxton, last seen in Edge of Tomorrow. Here, his acting is equivalent to Robbie Riss doing the Michelangelo voice from the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie <laughs> from the same year. I honestly thought, is this... So much of this movie is ADR'd. It's gotta be. It's it was, so uh, it's so obvious that it's ADR'd, and it's 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 truly sounds. He sounds like Robbie Rist. He sounds just like Michelangelo. And I this don't he sounds yeah he sounds it. like he sounds like someone doing a Bill Paxton impression. Yes, and it's <laughs> dreadful. Uh, this isn't a triumph for return, but I just do want to note something. Only because you're on this show, this episode. Mm -hmm. Terry Weigel, Terry Weigel, I think is her name. She plays the, quote, Colombian girl. She's the coke-fueled uh, sex monkey making weird noises uh, in the scene. It <laughs> seems like it's out of a Hellraiser movie. Um, she is most famous for being in a Andy Sedaris film known as Savage Beach. I'm sure you... Oh, shit. I think I have that on the shelf <laughs> over there. <laughs> I was about to say, I know there's some Sedera somewhere behind you. Oh, yeah. There's a couple. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, uh, <laughs> I only, nobody, uh, literally, Lindsay, nobody knows who the fuck that is. But I knew oh, as man. soon as I said that you would be like, oh, I got that. I knew it. Yep. <laughs> it was released November 21st, 1990, which ought to tell you what the faith the studio had in this movie. 
Uh, you know, on a budget of between 20 and three, $30 million, I don't know where that went. <laughs> this thing only made $57 million. Damn. Elderly L.A. cop sweats his way through an intergalactic gang war in the dystopian hell of 1997. Danny Glover is not too old for this shit. <laughs> what world is worse, the 1997 of this movie or the 2022 of our reality? Oh, man. I mean, oh. I, I, I think it's this, because I think right now could do, could do with, like, some Jamaican voodoo gangs. <laughs> It'll at least be more interesting uh, and fun. Mr. Babylon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, why you come down here, Mr. Babylon? That, he, it, that, it'd be a great, let, yeah, it'd be a great it. juxtaposition. That guy <laughs> is the most distinct thing about this entire movie. His whole scene. Oh, he's great. I, I, I'm going to get real granular in my criticism of the, the scene, but that is the most distinct. That's the best part is that guy just throwing bones and reading fortunes in like Jason mm -hmm. takes Manhattan's like dark, toxic waste alleyway. Yes. In yeah. L, super hot LA, which is also like super wet and creepy. I don't know. It's a whole thing. Everyone's sweaty. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> if you ever wanted to see Danny Glover's, like, boxer outline uh, uh, under, like, knit pant, this is the movie for you. <laughs> the, uh, let's start with all the common criticisms. Number one, the city setting. Okay. The opening violence, profanity, media coverage, it feels like it's pitched like a gag. And so it comes off almost like, even by having Morton Downey Jr. in there. Mm -hmm. It feels like discount Paul Verhoeven. It feels it, yes, it's it's very Verhoeven and and not good Verhoeven. No, and we, I I have a soft spot. I I like Predator Two quite a bit. I think it's I think it's kind of the 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 black sheep of the Predator family, and I think people need to revisit it if you haven't watched it in a while. I have so, the I mean, exact I'm gonna opposite opinion. I love this movie. <laughs> I just revisited it, and I think it needs to be burned. I think this movie is terrible. <laughs> oh, no. I, I, I think, the baby, putting this... Here's the thing. When you put this, mm -hmm. the Predator story in a jungle setting, it, 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 because it's in a foreign setting to most of us mm -hmm. in the world, we don't live in jungles, even if we have visited them. Yeah. It seems like the jungle itself feels like an otherworldly place. So when otherworldly mm -hmm. things happen, it doesn't, it's, it's strange things happening in a strange place. When you have yes. all of this goofy horseshit happening and it's pitched in a goofy <laughs> horseshit way, happening in this goofy horseshit setting that's also supposed to be the real world. It all mm -hmm. just starts to feel goofy. And, and you say yes. Danny Glover's not too old for this shit. I think he's way too old for this. <laughs> this guy, I understand. He's not, I don't want Arnold 2.0. I don't, I don't mind, okay, no. well, you know, the, whatever, the, the urban jungle, right? Okay, I get it. Mm -hmm. But I don't mind it being a cop or this or that. And I like Danny Glover. He's not doing his best work here. When he has to do some action sequences and it's not his stunt double, mm -hmm. it doesn't look right. He can't run. He can barely walk. It just looks bad. The first nine minutes of this movie is just a hail of gunfire, explosions, grime, and madness. And it feels like every- I love it. It's so <laughs> loud and stupid. and It's like a vulgar- and I mean that like in the intellectual sense. I mean that in the academic yes. sense. This movie is vulgar. It is just yes. gratuitous. 
It doesn't know whether or not it wants to be Verhoeven because Verhoeven's gratuitous, but he's saying something. Yes. He's, he's gratuitous to the like- point of absurdity, to the point of laughter, to the point of black comedy to make a commentary. Usually he's taking the piss out of America and being like, you guys are fucked up. Right. <laughs> this is none of no, this is This is great because all the reasons you're saying why you hate it are the reasons I love it. It's got all of the stock <laughs> cliches, Lindsay. The captain is like, downtown's up my ass. Oh, yes. The new transfer who's yes. a hot shot who's guaranteed to get mm-hmm. fucking killed. He gets the oh, speech. Yeah. I'm gonna, I am gonna. only got one speech. I only give it one time. I've seen this movie. It's too yep. much. Uh, God damn it. <laughs> the feds are now calling the shots. Can't trust the feds. We get Maria Conchita Alonso grabbing people's balls. Oh, my God. <laughs> the feds want the tech, blah, blah, blah. Everybody's so sweaty. That brings me to my next point. Why do people not sweat in movies anymore? When's the last time you saw I don't know. anybody sweat in a movie? I mean, the the only one that really um, sticks out to me, and this, I, I think it, it, it died in the 90s. Yeah. After the 90s, nobody sweat in movies anymore. Because, like, movies like A Time to Kill, everybody sweats. Yes. <laughs> yes, we've covered that. Everybody. It's in our archives. It's a good movie. It's a good, yeah, it's, it's all right. Um, <laughs> here are the th- things I like, okay? I'm going on a rant okay. about things I don't like. Here are things I like. <laughs> Or at the very least, things that stand out. Mm-hmm. King Willie. King Willie. Mm-hmm. This is Dreadmon. Truly dread. <laughs> Truly dread. Truly dread. He's got, he's got gravel in yeah, his voice. Yeah, this is so it's great. great. I think the invisibility effect and light refraction effect is actually improved here. It has. The Predator design itself still looks fantastic. He looks great. Fingers look a little weird in certain shots where, like, you can see, like, it's, like, kind of spongy. But other than that, he looks pretty good. They changed the eyes, too, for some reason. Did they? I think, yeah, I think it was this one. It might have been this one. Yeah, because oh, they're, they're kind of the beady, eyeballs. and in this one, they're, they're, they're bigger. They're more human-looking. Human. Yeah. yeah, and I'm like, that doesn't look right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the King Willie death is one of the worst edited scenes I've ever seen in a movie. Here's how the scene ought to be cut. Willie has some sort of Rastafarian pigeon quotation from the Book of Psalms. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not. It's not an actually any particular psalm, but it's a mishmash of no. a few. And he he draws his blade because the predator mm-hmm. jumps out of the roof. Why did the predator know they were there? That's I, I gotta, gotta save that. I gotta save it for my next part. I know, right? He jumps down <laughs> into the water. King Willie sets as the predator. He quotes the Psalms. He brings out his cane, which is also a sword, pulls the sword part of it out, quotes mm-hmm. the scripture, and he, then the camera is a close up and Willie screams. Okay. Mm-hmm. What there should be there is there should be a seamless cut of his face and mouth cut to. His screaming face and mouth revealed as now being a severed head in the hand of the mm-hmm. predator. What yes, we think- get is we are in a low wide shot where you don't <laughs> see his face. The scream is looped in after the fact on top of him delivering the line, quoting the songs. So you have two <laughs> conflicting lines on top of each other, which makes no goddamn sense. No, then it, not it at all. Cuts and- from the low wide shot to the severed head, and it's so jarring 
The only thing I can think of is maybe the decapitation was too graphic, so they censored it, but they didn't have the right camera angles to pull it off. I and they tried to like cover it up. Something by, happened there. Yeah, it's so fucked up. It's like a, it's like a, <laughs> it's like a TV edit, but it's in because it could be a rated R movie where you're watching people get gutted. Right? Yeah. No, it could have been so effective if they did it if it was put together like how you said yes. where we see this him scream and then it pulls away and it's his severed head that would have been very effective and that's kind of what they were trying to go for but they didn't pull it it's off they, they did it very very badly it's so strange because there's nothing else as badly botched in this movie so it's like what the fuck like I, or maybe somebody had the idea of like oh what if we did this but they didn't have the coverage yeah. for it i don't know that could if be. you don't have the shots you don't have the shots don't do it <laughs> The other thing that stands out is maybe one of the ugliest kids in movie history. <laughs> Say, want some candy? Want some candy? <laughs> yeah. Want some candy? Want some candy? Oh, gosh. Want some candy? Well, I'll, I'll tell you what I like about this film. I like the setting. I think it's a good juxtaposition from the first one. Sure. And it's not... It's not exactly in our reality because it's shot in 1990 and it's the far distant... Future yes. of 1997, yeah. and obviously there's some kind of global warming thing going on there in this huge heat wave, and um, even even because we get Gary Busey in this movie, oh, we'll get to who, who is not Gary Busey enough in my opinion. Hider in the house, but he's <laughs> but he's like it's it's drawn to heat and conflict, yeah. and the conflict is this huge gang war. Between um, the J Jamaicans and I can't remember the other side. Puerto Ricans or something like that. Puerto Ricans, something like that. Yeah. And so we get this opening. Colombians. Um, it's the Colombians. C Colombians. That's yeah. right. This opening chaos on the street. And these, this, these gang members are just armed to the teeth and they're grabbing fistfuls of cocaine and <laughs> snorting it. And they're just going fucking crazy and it, it's 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 pretty much by with the secondary dialogue you get that this is happening all over the city yeah. because the the specialized unit that they want to bring in they're they're busy fighting some other war yeah. on the street like 10 blocks away or something so we get uh we get danny glover coming in to save the day because he's this hot shot and he won't listen to rules oh, and yeah. he's kind of a he's a maverick yeah you know <clears throat> And he drives his doorless car in there and, and, and fucks him up to save the people and all this stuff. Yes, Danny Glover does this. And this is where, okay, so the Predator went there because of these gang wars. Yeah, and the heat. So he, he and the heat. Yep. And he's watching this unfold because he, he, he wants to hunt these gang members. But then he sees Danny Glover, how awesome he is, you know? <laughs> And that's why he gloms on to Danny Glover. I mean, I don't think that 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 that's sold very well or anything like that. No. That's just the reason that he starts following Danny Glover is because he sees them sees him at this at this shootout. But Lindsay, my friend, <laughs> somehow the movie tells us that the predator keeps looping itself back around to this the meat packing industry or you know, part of town. Yeah. And it's going into this meatpacking plant and it's eating, it's got, it's got a taste for beef and it's eating, it's feeding there, right? And then it goes out on its mm -hmm. hunts or whatever. Yeah. How in the fuck is it tracking Danny Glover? 
That's the big... <laughs> no, it, there's no reason. This thing teleports different places. It teleports like he's, into he, whatever scene it needs to be in to do the exactly, kill. Exactly. At some point, no, it locks on a Danny Glover. I'm with you. I follow the logic. Mm -hmm. yeah, it yeah, sees him do all yeah. this cowboy bullshit. And it's like, well, if I'm hunting these guys and he's taking them down himself, he's the superior mm -hmm. prey. He's the superior game. Yeah. I'm going to hunt this guy. Got it. No problem. I'm with you. Okay. Then <laughs> he fucking disappears. He stops mm -hmm. tracking Danny Glover. It made sense when you're in a confined jungle space. Yes. It doesn't make sense when you're in an entire city of people. And at some point, no. it's just Maria Cachita Alonso and Bill Paxton just randomly on a subway train. And the fucking predator shows up out of nowhere. Out of nowhere. And he teleported there from the cemetery yes. where he was fucking with Danny Glover. Yeah, candy. there's no reason he should be that wants some candy. Yes. And what I love about that scene, though, is that everybody has a gun for no reason. Yes. Everybody has a gun. No, see, okay. Everybody okay. Has a gun. The good part of the scene is it does feel like a, again, knockoff Verhoeven, right? Without, without yes. the smarts. But yeah, everybody mm -hmm. on the train has a gun. I mean, this whole movie is basically a white panic movie. In the early 90s, <laughs> no, seriously, in the early 90s, if you it remember, white people were just so terrified of minorities in LA in particular. They're killing, mm -hmm. they're, all these urban legends of all these, these people of color, they're killing each other for Nikes, they're killing each other for shoes. Mm -hmm. and, oh my God, and the society, and da, 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 da. This is also back when white people actually believed in, in global warming. And so, right. so people are like, oh, my God, the future is going to be a bunch of people of color killing each other. And the major cities are going to become drug-infested war zones and global mm -hmm. warming and all oh, the conflict. All this. There's a lot of movies like this or have that kind of idea in their head, late 80s, mm -hmm. early 90s. This is one of them. Yes. So if I ignore kind of the patently racially motivated yes. undertones of this movie, if I ignore that, okay, fine. You have to do a better job explaining to me how this thing is tracking them throughout the city. Yeah. Why is it jumping from? It's fucking with him by giving him his best friends, giving him a trophy, be like, hey, I killed your buddy, right? Mm -hmm. It's fucking with him. Try to lure him. Lure him where? Because then he magically teleports right? there. And then all these people have guns. And I get that. And it could be funny. And it could be clever. And it could be smart. And it's not a badly done scene where it's in the dark mm -hmm. and everybody's panicking and there's flashes of gunfire and whatnot. Again, decent scene. It stands out. I put it in the plus column, but then it fucking mm -hmm. falls apart. Here's where it falls apart. How is Bill Paxton not able to shoot this thing at right. point blank range? He's not invulnerable to bullets. That's not what the predator no. is. The reason Dutch's no. crew could not hit him with bullets it's because they didn't know where he was. They were shooting mm -hmm. blindly into the jungle. Yes. Bill Paxton clearly sees him, even though he's invisible. Yes. And he's in the he's in the aisle of a subway car <laughs> straight ahead of you. He doesn't hit a goddamn thing. No. Nope. Why? <laughs> he's and it's not like he's firing wildly, like he's in a panic. He is standing there. He is point blank range. Mm -hmm. I think with a fucking laser sight and is shooting yeah. this thing with a desert eagle. Mm -hmm. And it Doesn't the hit just keeps walking towards him. I don't understand it. I don't either. No, there's, there's, there's. It, it, it took, it took a cool, here's my point. It took a cool scene that was interesting. 
that was different, mm-hmm. different than the first movie. I'm, yes. I'm in all, I'm in favorite. It's okay. And then yes. it just fucking fucked it up. And that's what this movie yeah. does. It takes a good, okay, it's in the urban jungle. Now. Okay, all right, that's cool. It's different. Mm-hmm. Different, cool. See this creature in a more urban setting. That's what we, then it kind of fucks it up. And then it's got Danny Glover. Yes. And it's like, okay, lethal weapon. I get it. Get what you're going for. Against type or, okay, slightly older, not muscular. Got it. And it kind of fucks it up. And then the predator is mm-hmm. going to track him, but then it fucks it up. And then the subway scene. Oh, that's really cool. Oh, and it fucks it up. And oh, look at the, all of these like weird, like dystopian interstitials with Morton Downey Jr. That's kind of like Paul Verhoeven, but then mm-hmm. it fucks it up. And it's like, it I don't, it's, it was a, such a frustrating watch. And David Glover is actively, he, he's not a good actor in this movie. When, they, when he's like, he's, when he finds out that Bill Pax is dead, he goes, oh, Jerry. And I just laughed out loud. Jerry. Yeah, I, I know, and it's such a horrific visual, though, because you see his head coming off, yes. and, and he just throws his body aside. And no, that's <laughs> that's my frustration with this film, yeah. is that it does some really cool things, but then it counteracts them with just dumb stuff yes because it does some it does some and it does some really cool stuff to further the mythology of the predator yes. we get we get some cool new weapons yep. and things we get his spear we get the disc throwing thing yeah, the smart we get disc. The, yep. the nets yep. the nets we cool. get all yep. that yeah it's very cool we get some more of the the hunter code because he sees that she's pregnant so even though she has a gun and she's a threat to me i'm not going to kill her because she's pregnant because i'm not going to I'm not going to fuck up the species, you know. I want this the species to keep going so I can keep hunting yes. it is, is, you know, the reasoning behind that. So, I mean, it has these cool ideas with it, but it, 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 just, it just can't help itself, and it just fucks well, it up. See, right, that's where I went with it, right? Where I went with it is my mm-hmm. final summary note is exactly what you just said. The best parts of this movie are the expansion of the Predator Code, their operations, yes. the little teases of their mm-hmm. culture. Obviously, we get mm-hmm. a nod to, at that point, what was just a comic book, which is the Alien versus Predator yep. stuff. We actually mm-hmm. get to go on board one of their ships. When he tosses him the gun, and he realizes they've been coming yes. here for centuries. Like, mm-hmm. all that stuff is like, okay, it's, it's like they're seeds of cool, good ideas. Mm-hmm. But they're executed <laughs> mediocrely too poorly at times. And, mm-hmm. and, the, and I, I th- honestly, I think the difference is you don't have John McTiernan. You don't have yes. a top flight guy behind the scenes. Mm-mm. You've got the guy who directed the fifth, whether you like it or not, Lindsay, <laughs> the fifth Nightmare on Elm Street. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? And I don't understand. No, I get. I'm 100 percent with you. And this, this, I'm gonna. And that, I'm, that's what frustrates me because I like, I, I, I like this movie, but it's it keeps getting in its own way, and that's why I kind of try to champion this film because it has all those cool yeah. little things in it, but it just doesn't, it doesn't stick the landing. I'm gonna pan out a little bit and look at. That. I don't okay. understand how a movie that's made for let's say 18 million dollars. Let's just take that number mm-hmm. as gospel. I think it's a lie. Let's take it as gospel. First Predator. That movie makes $100 million, right? Mm-hmm. They decide, not long after, we're going to make a sequel. Yeah, three years. Right. That's... So this thing went into production pretty quick, right? Because it came out three years later. So you know, mm-hmm. it probably took you know, a year or two to make from pre-production all the way through. Mm-hmm. So they upped the budget, right? So now it's between $20 and $30 million. Okay, so let's say it's double the budget. Okay, that's fine. 
you double the budget of the movie. Now, a lot of that's going to go into location costs because they really filmed it in Los Angeles, and that's going to eat up a bunch of your money. Yeah. How do you go from John McTiernan to Stephen Hopkins? I think the biggest reason that we have this huge drop-off is because Arnold didn't want to come back. And I think, I think that's the biggest nugget, is that he didn't want to come back, so that... that kept other people away from this project and that's really if you look at the series i know i'm jumping ahead a little bit it boggles my mind that 20th century fox has this property mm-hmm. that is a smash success they decide to make sequels to it and they invest damn near nothing into it mm-hmm. and i don't understand that i do like what did they think they double the budget but they didn't, they didn't bring in an equivalent talent. You Really? Yeah. I'm talking about behind the scenes. Yeah. So why the fuck even make it? Like, I don't, it's like, it's like, it's like they set out to make a flop, which is what this movie is. It's a flop. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They made a flop that, that again, like you're saying, even though you like the movie and you're a defender of it, it gets in its own way. Mm-hmm. You bring in a competent director. Yeah. You, 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 you work behind the scenes a little bit, then you have something that's not going to be as good as the original, but doesn't get in its own way. It doesn't fuck its own trajectory up. I just mm-hmm. don't get it. I don't get why, like, 20th Century Fox, they did the same thing with the Alien franchise. Yes, they you did. You know, around this same time, the production for Alien 3. You're coming off of goddamn Aliens, man. Like, this movie made all the money in the world, was critically, you know, praised. And they were like, mm. Right. We're going to make a movie on a planet of wood. Like, what the fuck is, who was in charge of the studio? These are studio decisions where you have two of the greatest monsters in movie history. Mm -hmm. You own both of them. Yeah. You can't make a good movie to save your fucking life after you've done it. I I don't get it. I understand if James Cameron doesn't want to come back. I understand if Arnold doesn't. They want to know come the back. formula yeah. that works, and they just keep. They either try to replicate that badly, yes, or they try to go in a completely new direction, and and pe- but people don't want to see that. It's I don't know. I think they're stuck between those two, those two ends of the spectrum. Where okay, do we do what we've already done because it worked so well, or do we push this in a new direction and and new ways, but people don't know, aren't familiar with that. I don't know. I think I think they're just they don't know what to do. But you, they don't know how to please everybody. Step one: bring in actual talent. <laughs> yes, yes. Bring in a talented yes. director. Doesn't well. I mean, David Fincher. I mean, he's good. Yes. he's good. Yeah, but they, okay, he is good. They brought in David Fincher, and they took the fucking movie away from him. That's true. That's very right? true. Right? They didn't let him actually direct anything. And mm-hmm. here's the other thing. At that point, he'd only been directing music videos and this and that. So he's Very not true. the David Fincher we know today. That we know today. But you yeah. get a guy mm-hmm. who does have talent and you can't stay out of his way. And that's the, the, like yeah. just like this movie can't stay out of its own way. It's 20th Century mm-hmm. Fox, which is now owned by the Walt Disney Corporation, could <laughs> not stay out of its own way. They just threw, they doubled the budget, didn't double the quality of any of the behind the scenes stuff. And they no. just shot this movie in the foot from, from the word go. And I think that, I, you know, as much as I'm like, okay, Dan Glover's not that good, and they fucking botched the King Willie death and this, that, whatever. Ultimately, I think this movie fails, in my opinion, more than it succeeds <laughs> because of the studio. Mm-hmm. 
I would agree. And I mean, I enjoy it, like I said, because of the the Predator mythology that they expand yeah. upon. Yep. They have some great set pieces. That that apartment. Yes. You know, the penthouse apartment. That's and when they walk in and all the bodies are hanging down, it just looks fucking amazing. You get the Predator on top of that building with the lightning. I don't know why he gets struck by lightning. Because <laughs> it looks for cool. For some reason. Yeah. Because <laughs> it looks fucking cool. But it's it's such a great image. There's a lot of great visuals yeah. in this movie. Yeah. And, and I think that's why I'm so drawn to it. And pe- I, there's a lot of people that don't like it at all. And and but the I just I don't know it, it it's so gritty and grimy and dirty and I just love that about it I love it I, I, I went into this being like okay I like this movie this is a good movie I had this one I did not I didn't own Predator I I I I went out and bought Predator two I was like yeah Predator two yeah when I was younger I liked Predator two more than I liked Predator I was like yeah Predator two that's the better movie. So I was, and I knew it wasn't by this point in my life. Yeah. I've been doing this long mm-hmm. enough, right? So I'm like, yeah, it's not whatever. But I didn't, I didn't go into it being like, this movie's going to be terrible. I thought it's, <laughs> it's going to be not as good, but I'm still really going to like it. And instead I'm mm-hmm. walking away with a five out of 10 for this thing. And yet somehow still it's my number three for the week. <laughs> there, it's my number two. Oh no, <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> Um, it's your it's number, two. number two. What do you give it out of ten? And I mean, my my ranking doesn't really fit with my out of you know number out of ten. Yeah. I I give this one about a six out of ten. <laughs> well, that just shows like you're being objective, but you're also saying I I, I am being objective. I've got a soft spot for and, it. Yeah. Oh yeah, I do, and and I I you know this. Other people know this. I love shitty movies. Yes. <laughs> And this has some. This has shitty movie qualities that are entertaining to me. So I mean, for for those reasons, coupled with the other ones, is, is another reason why I like it. So. <laughs> well, speaking of shitty movies, we got a twofer for you here. Let's start with 2004's <laughs> Alien versus Predator, which currently has an I don't know what on Rotten Tomatoes, but whatever it is, it's too damn high. Too high. <laughs> These steel-jawed beasts have a hunger for destruction. Can they be stopped by the ultimate galactic hunter? Predator! The battle is on. Aliens versus Predator, the hunter against the beast. An alien killer crab attacks, but the Predator crack tusk fire shoulder mount missiles, and Predator scavenge attacks with a double-barreled bola, each sold separately. Will the Predator win the battle against the evil aliens? Aliens versus Predator! Get a special two-pack with an exclusive Dark Horse comic. Alien vs. Predator was directed by my goddamn arch nemesis. And if you want to hear me lose my shit, go find the the ranking episode of the entire Resident Evil franchise. I literally broke my brain watching his movies. I'm talking about Paul W.S. Anderson. Uh, he directed this movie. He gets a story credit for this movie. He gets a screenplay credit for this movie. It is, of course, based on the Alien characters by Dan O'Bannon and Ronald Sussett. It is uh, also based on the Predator characters by Jim Thomas and John Thomas. The comic book creators who created Alien vs. Predator don't get any credit whatsoever. No, not a one. It is the triumphant return of Lance Henriksen. We've seen him 10 million times. And it is the triumphant return of Colin Salmon, last seen in Resident Evil, where he played one. If you want to know my thoughts about that, please check out the Resident Evil episode. This film was released August 12th, 2004, and I saw it opening weekend in theaters. 
On a budget of between 60 and 70 million dollars, it made 177.4 million. Bland cannon fodder bungled their way into a series of unfortunate events amongst the greatest monsters of the last century. I got, don't go to the weird ice pyramid. It is a silly place. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, all right. By 2004, let's set the table here, Lindsay. Okay. Both of these franchises were DOA. Yeah. This is the exact same strategy that we saw in the old Universal Monster movie days when a monster franchise had run out of steam. Mm -hmm. What do you do? You do, you know, so-and-so meet so-and-so. Son of so-and-so versus such-and-such, right? Yet as I watch this movie, realizing that's exactly what it is, it is a modern, and I guess now it's not so modern, Mm -hmm. it's almost 20 years old, but it is at the time a modern Geek show, cash grab, mm-hmm. B-movie. We're just full schlock territory yes. here. But somehow also schlock built off of an extraordinarily popular comic book and video game franchise that had way more interesting ideas yeah. of which they adapted a total of zero. Right. <laughs> <laughs> they just made an app. They just took the name and made an absolute uh. schlock. Okay. But I'm watching this and as I'm watching it, I'm realizing that the whale in which he should not, this character should not be fucking in this no. movie, but that's fine. The Whalen briefing is nearly identical to the Whalen briefing from Prometheus. Yes, or and when you- exactly identical <laughs> to the briefing in Aliens. It's it's all the same. It's all oh. it's, that's the point, right? Okay. <laughs> this shows to me an interesting dichotomy. Mm-hmm. There are stupid ideas. Yes. Like Prometheus. With master craftsmanship behind them. Mm -hmm. And then there are stupid ideas that are made by the unthinking man's Michael Bay, (laughs) which is who Paul W.S. Anderson is. If if you took Michael Bay and then made him stupid, you would get Paul W.S. Anderson. (laughs) That that, that shows the difference. I think Prometheus is a dog shit premise of a movie. It looks, it's it's amazing visually though. But it's gorgeous. You cannot deny no. that this is a top-tier directed, produced, you know, mm-hmm. production design, special effects, cinematography. It is a triple-A title. Yes. It is a great big-budget movie on that mm-hmm. level. This, it just shows the difference between stupid things in the hands of extraordinarily talented mm-hmm. people with, and with some money and stupid things in the hands of stupid people with, with less money. Yeah. You end up with this movie. A movie. I don't know if I've ever seen a movie like this in my life. <laughs> where an actor's accent sounded phony. But it's actual, actual accent. accent. <laughs> Raul Bava or Bova oh is actually Italian. Yes. And it sounds like the phoniest fucking Italian accent I've ever heard in my oh life. Oh, my God. It's like somebody from Germany trying to be Italian. I thought for sure this guy was from the Ukraine. And I, I had to Google it. I'm like, who the fuck is this? What is this yeah. accent? He's from Italy. Italy. <laughs> I've never seen it like that in my <laughs> life. Oh, oh, of all the Italian actors you could hire, could you find one that sounds like an actual Italian? Right? <laughs> Jesus. Oh, my God. No, and uh, there's, uh, there's so many. There's one thing in this movie. That I think was done very well. 
And that's the opening shot. I think it's a- we get that alien head queen fake out that's the satellite. That's I okay that <laughs> it's okay. I thought you were going to say the actual alien queen because it's the last time no, we ever no, see she, a, a practical yes, queen. Yes, no that that whole. I thought they did a great that job. Whole s- of, setup is very cool. Yes, I thought they did a great job of of recreating pretty much exactly what she looked like, maybe even a little bit better than mm-hmm. aliens. They very faithfully recreated a giant puppet. Yes, and that, that is that. That blows everything else that we'll see in the rest of these movies yes. away because it is practical and you and I are both marks for practical oh, yes. effects. And, uh, I like, okay, here's what I think. I think there are good ideas in this movie, there are bad ideas in this movie, and then there are silly, silly ideas. slash stupid ideas. Yes. yes. Here's a good idea. I like the idea that, yes, the premise of an underground frozen pyramid, whatever, mm-hmm. whatever. Inadvertent, the human beings inadvertently triggering a process. Yes. While, and it's, un, it's going on around them and they're unaware of it throughout the first quarter of the movie. Mm-hmm. I thought that was pretty clever. Yes. I thought that was an interesting little thing. Yes. I think the ever-changing formation of the pyramid, so it's almost like a, just a constant maze mm-hmm. or a puzzle. I thought that was yes. interesting. The mostly practical queen, like we mm-hmm. said, I think it's good. I actually like the idea of a human being teaming up with the Predator because what we know, as we've established, yes. is they have a code. Yes. So it's not against character no. because they're not just killing to kill. So when shit starts to get real, if they can find a strong ally, exactly. they're going to team up with that ally. Exactly. Makes perfect sense. I thought, okay, that's true to that character. That's true. Here are the bad ideas. <laughs> Predators using xenomorphs as a rite of passage for young hunters. Here's, the, here's why it's a bad idea. If they have xenomorphs on Earth, why would they ever come here to hunt humans? Exactly. Exactly. Because the xenomorph is a far superior uh, it's, thing, it's, a yeah. killing machine. It's the perfect organism. <laughs> it's the perfect organism. If we're to believe that all human civilizations have somehow stemmed from... Like all, they've all been influenced by the technology mm-hmm. and the presence of the predator, and th- that these things have been here for millennia. Yeah. Why the fuck would they ever hunt a human exactly. being in Los Angeles or in? And I, I think, I think you know, at <laughs> or the jungles of of Mexico. Right? This was at the time when the whole pyramids are built by aliens thing was coming into popular culture. You know, you have the meme, yeah. the guy with the weird hair, aliens, do you yes. know that whole thing? So, I mean, it was capitalizing on that pop culture moment a bit, but they didn't think it through. And, and like, the, the greater, the greater uh, replications of, of making that canon. Yeah, it, just, it doesn't make any sense. No, not at all. And it makes no and, sense and that, whatsoever. That's, that's what everything in this movie, nothing makes sense. They'll introduce something or say, oh, yeah, this is a thing. But if you think about it for a second, it makes zero sense. Yeah. No, it, it really doesn't. And I'll give you another example of that. The ticking time clock element of this is, you know, well, we got to get out of this pyramid and we got to do this. We got to stop these creatures mm-hmm. from getting out of this pyramid. Yes. We got to survive. So the lady and the predator are going to team up so they can survive. But we got to get out, we got to stop them from getting out mm-hmm. of here because otherwise they'll take over the world. Yeah. Okay. 
here's what we know. Xenomorphs can be burned and they can be frozen. Mm -hmm. The entire premise is that the queen is in frozen cryogenesis. Yep. Cryogenically frozen. Yeah. So at the very least, if you freeze them, they're going to slow the fuck down. And I just keep thinking about the thing. No dog makes it a thousand miles to the coast. You think that thing wants to be a dog? It wants to be us. us. Yes. They've already established that there is, they're in no, no man's, man's land. land. It's 2,000 miles or something like that away from the next, like, installation? Yeah. Not even a city. And it. Just like a, a, a lab somewhere. It, Where the fuck yeah, is the Xenomorph? The Xenomorph go? can't drive a snow caterpillar, okay? It can't fly a helicopter. <laughs> Where's it going to go? Where's it going to go? Yeah, and, and that raises an interesting point, which is when this movie ends and the Predators take the fuck off and they leave our hero in the middle of Antarctica mm -hmm. in boot-cut yoga pants <laughs> and athleisure wear, she's dead within five minutes. Well, I mean, there is a snow cat there, a snow caterpillar, but it's like, where is she going to go? Yeah. Is, is that snow cat going to, does it have enough fuel to get her a thousand miles? Probably not. <laughs> Probably not. No, they had, to, they had to take a helicopter to get there. They say at one point, it's, it's a thousand miles to there and 2,000 miles underground or something like that. And it's like, they're, she's dead. Yeah. She is dead. Yeah. Well, and they, this movie destroys so much lore from the first two movies, you know, that the Predators yes. are coming here because they want a challenge, they want to gather their trophies, and, and yep. they come about every seven, eight years, whatever. Well, in this one, they're showing that they come every hundred years to do this ritual thing, because yes. they, they talk about the whaling station where they, they set mm -hmm. up base, and they're like, and everyone disappeared. A hundred years ago. So you think, oh, they took those people and made them part of the ritual to, to yeah. create aliens. But when they go down into the pyramid to the, the sacrificial chamber, it's these Aztec mummies and corpses. It's like, yes. wouldn't the wailing people corpses <laughs> be in there? Yeah. It's like they, they come yeah. up with these ideas and they're like, oh, that's cool. That's a good idea. But then they don't. They just abandon them. Yeah, they're not, like you said, they're not thinking them no, through. No, like not at all. Okay, here's another example. The idea of, well, the alien skin, the, the alien exoskeleton, mm -hmm. protects it against its own acid blood. Yeah. So if you could make some kind of armor out of that, it will protect you against, okay, that's fine. The way that they execute that is they just have her with like a hand puppet. Yeah. She has her hand just like fully in the head yeah. of one of these things. And it looks so fucking goofy. It does. And she's just running around with it's a fucking like, hand puppet of an alien. Yeah. And it looks so stupid. You're like, you couldn't think of anything better than this. I, she can't is this shield more of a her entire body with that thing. It's, it's <laughs> No. Uh, no. It, it's relatively useless. Yeah. Is this more of an alien movie or more of a predator movie in your mind? Man, I think just aesthetically, it's more of an alien film, like the way it's shot yeah. and things like that. And I don't like what they did with the Predators. I don't. They changed up the design a bit. They're bigger. They're bulkier. Yeah. And yeah. They, they don't use them and their tools enough. We get a few of the weapons and things like that, but we don't get this hunter stuff or anything like that. It, 
there's not a lot of the the infrared vision and why does a predator want to be in the cold i i I guess we're to believe that when they built this pyramid, it wasn't cold because there was a civilization there and then it froze over at some point. I, I don't, yeah, the, I just, I don't why get keep it. going back. <laughs> yeah. Why? I, I, it, yeah, it just, it, it's, it's slapdash together. And I think the movie suffers from the problem that a lot of sequels, yeah. have, which is either, and we, you kind of touched on this in the last movie, either we watch characters, learn things we already mm-hmm. know because we've already seen the other movies, yeah. which removes any tension or mystery. Right. Mm-hmm. So I'm just, Wasting time watching characters get caught up to what I know before the credits even roll, you know, the the opening title sequence. Mm -hmm. Or the characters know what we know and they shouldn't. Yes. Because they've never experienced this. They didn't watch the last movie. And that just strains our our belief. And that's a big problem with sequels. And the way that Cameron overcame this with Aliens, and it's a miracle that he did, was he changed the premise. He changed the setting. He changed the genre. He had a new... (laughs) Changed the genre. He added new information. Mm-hmm. And that left us more unsure than we were before. Yep. Because we thought we knew what this world was. Mm-hmm. And be like, oh, I've seen Alien, so I know what it is. He does something completely different. So we are as off-kilter as the characters mm-hmm. are. Um, I think where, where Anderson does okay is I think he does a decent job making the face hugger look slimy, oh, creepy, vaginal, yeah, and, sexual. Oh, yeah. And that scene where you get the slow-mo shot of it jumping and leaping towards the yes. end, Oh, that's fucking cool looking. That's cool. That's cool. <laughs> I think and the way I've always described Paul W.S. Anderson, I did this on the resume, he's, he's a great commercial director. Yes. <laughs> if you're like, here, we got two minutes and give us something awesome. Because like the best thing about the Resident Evil movies, and I even kind of like unironically like a couple of mm-hmm. them because they're just so goofy. Yeah. But the best thing about them were the fucking commercials, the, the, the faux marketing yeah. campaign for the Umbrella Corporation, mm-hmm. which he did a lot yeah. of that. And it's like, that's what he's good at. He's good at like, make something that's like two minutes and is really stylistic yeah. and cool and badass and has one cool idea. Mm-hmm. You give him that, this fucking guy's going to knock it out. But when you got to have him connect dots and and... Pull threads can't through. He can't. He can't do it. <laughs> he can't. He he can't construct logic. No. no. <laughs> right. Yeah. He cannot pull a a, a through line mm-hmm. through a a hour and a half film. He can't do it. He can't do it within a twenty minute sequence. No. But two minutes or less. <laughs> he's awesome. So he can give you a scene mm-hmm. that's fucking badass and looks great, and you're like. Oh wow, that's something we haven't seen mm-hmm. before. That's an angle. Yeah. That's a this. That that it's a that's a take on it we haven't seen before. How clever! That's and, and that's a skill. I'm not trying to diminish the no. guy, but he's not a feature length screenwriter for certainly, <laughs> and he's not a feature length director. I don't think and, no. unless unless it's he's working off of somebody else's script and he's being heavily managed by more talented people. I just he doesn't have him in it. No. It is more of an alien movie, yeah. but the xenom the xenomorphs themselves, the facehuggers look awesome. Eggs look pretty much like they did in the original yeah. movie. Great recreation. The queen, like we said, Looks is a great, great. recreation. Mm-hmm. The actual xenomorph themselves don't. They're lame. They don't do anything. No. There's no tension around them. No. They're just kind of there. It's really kind of all the humans are worthless dipshits. <laughs> and at the end of the day, I went from really hating this mm-hmm. movie 
I've now seen the the original cut, which is PG thirteen, which is also really fucking stupid. <laughs> I've seen the unrated cut, which it doesn't really add very no. much, except for a really unnecessary scene in the beginning that's fucking stupid. <laughs> and now I, I've relaxed. There have been so many bad sequels and remakes mm-hmm. and everything since two thousand four. I've really calmed down. And here's what I would say. I think this is a perfectly suitable fan fiction. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 just a dumb popcorn movie. I mean, it's... It's a cartoon. It's, it's pure schlock, which is enjoyable yeah. when you're looking for schlock, you know? And I mean, I have big problems with this film. And I like I said, I don't like what they did with the Predators. They turned them more mecha- like into a, a mechanized type of race instead mm. of this organic thing that they were in the first two movies which which i loved and so i mean this film has so many problems but it's (laughs) it's so dumb and stupid it's entertaining yeah (laughs) here's the one thing about paul ws anderson he's gonna keep the shit moving yeah Mm -hmm. he's not gonna waste your time it's not gonna be three hours long and it's there's all something's gonna be happening almost always yeah you know Simple, dumb setup. Then we get into the action. Then the fucking thing happens. Does it make any sense? Yeah. No. <laughs> Does it set something up, like you said, and then forget about it, or even worse, undo it? Yeah. <laughs> yes. And he re- right? he really like sped up the alien incubation time. Oh, it's my God, so yeah. inconsistent. <laughs> like, wow. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's inconsistent even in the main series, right? but this one especially is like, oh yeah, whatever. It's two minutes. It's a half hour. It's whatever it needs to right? be for the scene. <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah, you're exactly right. So to to me now, I've gone from the point of absolute hatred for this to I give it a four out of ten, and it is my number four for the week. It's it's towards the bottom, uh, but it, it's it's not the worst thing I've no. seen. No, it's my number five, and I give it a four out of ten. Oh, boy. <laughs> you're kill, you're, kill, you're gonna you're gonna kill me here. I know. I can't wait. So. <laughs> Let's get into really. Uh, I can't. I can't believe this is a real movie. I know. Alien versus Predator <laughs> Requiem. Holy shit! This is the second time I've covered this. The first time the fi- it, the file corrupted. <laughs> it was a lost episode. I swore I never review it again. Yet here I am, a few short years later. What have I done with my life? <laughs> Came out in 2007. It currently has a 12% on Rotten Tomatoes. This film was directed by the brother Strauss. And if you're like, who? Right. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. It was written by Shane Salerno. Who is the writer of Avatar 4. And 5. And 6. And 5. Oh my God. (laughs) It is based on the alien characters. Not really. It's based on the Predator characters. Not really. These motherfuckers released this on December 25th, 2007. Christmas Day. Holy Christmas Day, 2007. And a budget of $40 million, it made $130 million. Of course it did. <laughs> the best man, the best man in my wedding loves Requiem. <laughs> I am divorced. 
I am divorced, and I blame the failure of my first marriage entirely on this. Him. Oh, my God. He cursed it. Choosing a best man with such piss poor taste. Oh, my God. I watched the unrated cut. So did I. We have a little something here called the anti-vault. The whole purpose of this (laughs) is to find those movies which are most worthy of our audience's time and most worthy of preservation Mm -hmm. for all time. Yes. And at the end, we have our last movie standing, and things go into the vault as voted by our listeners and as defended by film critics and reviewers like you, Lindsay. Mm-hmm. Everything else is going to burn in a cinematic, <laughs> cinematic apocalyptic lake of fire. <laughs> but there are some movies so bad that they need to be sent straight to movie hell before the final judgment day. They need to be quarantined, sequestered, removed from... Existence. Film canon, film history, existence. <laughs> I'm nominating Alien vs. Predator Requiem for the anti-vault. <laughs> I've got 42 minutes in this movie, and the movie had already run out of plot. It had run out of steam. Mm-hmm. It had run out of ideas. There are 58 more insufferable minutes after the 42-minute mark, and all, you, all you're left thinking is, how did two major franchises end up like this yeah. directed by nobody's, nobody's nobody's written by nobody's on a shoestring budget shot in utter darkness oh it's so dark it was so dark fucking lit it was that the sun was actually out yesterday and i was trying to watch this like in the the mid-afternoon i'm you like can't. i can't i can't i can't no. see anything i can't see you anything you have to wait until the darkest part of night <laughs> You have to draw your shades like a pervert. <laughs> you have to turn all your fucking lights off because I'd already been down the road, Lindsay. I've oh done this God. once. So I had to do it again. Mm-hmm. So that's what I did. I waited until it was like two o'clock in the fucking morning and I, and I just got it as dark as possible and you still can't see, see shit. shit. You can't see this T-Rex looking motherfucker, <laughs> pred alien, God awful dog shit <laughs> fucking design. It's a creature that is like somehow is a hybrid of the predator and the alien. Mm-hmm. Cool, that's fine. Mm-hmm. But it looks like a fucking dinosaur. Right. And on top of that, it in, it injects yeah. xenomorph. It's some kind of pseudo queen thing going on there. Down the throats of pregnant women yeah. who are already pregnant to have rapid gestating xenomorphs but when the xenomorphs when the belly bursters come out they're just fucking regular chest yeah. bursters i mean there's like three or four of even, them but they don't even have the mandible no. so how does a hybrid creature produce a purebred creature when the entire premise of the xenomorph is that it is genetically modifiable yeah. it, it takes on this has been established since the 70s yes. the original premise it's son of Cain. Yes. It's Cain's son. It looks like a man. A, 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 the original design, as you know, has a fucking human skull in there. Mm-hmm. When you look through the translucent dome, it's a human skull that's inside of it because it's part Cain. Yes. It's, it's part human. It mixes with whatever it gestates in. If there's a hybrid version of it that's also Predator... And then it fucking impregnates mm-hmm. an already pregnant woman. And I guess they're just eating the babies inside of for them. I don't know. <laughs> and then it fucking bursts out of them. And it's just a regular xenomorph. Then what the fuck is the point? There is no point. The point of this movie. And I had a lot of fun watching this movie. Because 
like I said before, I love bad oh, movies. No. no. And just the fact, okay, <laughs> this movie introduces people just to kill them. Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> like the two, there aren't character. That's, there are no characters. No, in this movie. they there's people no. that exist just to be killed. That's yeah. it. And the <laughs> the the humans are inconsequential to this film completely. They don't matter. Yes. The predator's killing them. The predator alien is killing them. They're just getting in the way. They mean nothing. 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 Yet the movie doesn't, they mean absolutely nothing, Lindsay, but the movie spends 42 fucking minutes setting up about this lady coming back from Afghanistan and her daughter. They're setting it up, it's set up like, like, a, like a disaster film where we meet these little pockets yes. of people and they've got their own little dramas going on and then at the end they'll team up and only a few of them are, will survive and there's this weird romance and it... And, and, yes. and but that just completely the girls falls dating apart. the bully the, bully. the girls dating a bully oh, God. And the nerd <laughs> brothers whatever and the nerd brother has an older brother who's been in trouble with the oh, law my. but he's coming back to town but and is is friends with the and cop for some reason yep. and and his name is Dallas oh my god <laughs> get it and then the like you know I I, I when this happened when this happened mm-hmm. my significant other was watched it watched this movie and when they said that this character's name is Dallas, her response was, how dare you? Right? Right? As as she was like, how, how dare you? <laughs> and then the computer sounds like Mother from the Nostromo. Oh, even this God. is happening in the 2000s, and it's, it'll be a, 200 years later. Right. Like, oh, man. Just everything about this movie is, when I, where I said Alien versus Predator, if you can accept it as, like, passable fan fiction, mm-hmm. fine. This is bad fan oh, fiction. It's bad. This is a it's fan so fiction script that somebody puts up on the internet <laughs> and it's like, oh, I, I fixed the franchise. And it's like goes up on a forum somewhere and you go, this is ridiculous. And again, it, uh, 100% of the responsibility falls at the feet of 20th Century yes. Fox. Yes, yes. Because this isn't even in the same league as Alien versus Predator. No. It's so much worse. I don't, it's so much worse. And that... that that movie made money. Yeah. And they turned around and were like, well, we're going to make another one because that movie was successful. And then they went and they got less talented people mm-hmm. again, yeah. again. I don't understand. I don't understand. I don't understand. Who is steering this ship? I don't know. I don't think anybody is. They, they, okay. I enjoyed this movie just because I liked watching all these people die. <laughs> if you. I, could you see them die? I thought their deaths were uninteresting. Oh, we kill a kid. Oh, there's gore. Oh, there's this. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's that. I don't give a shit if it looks awful. I can barely make it out. I don't care about these characters. There's no tension. Mm-hmm. There's no stakes. And none of this. It, 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 this feels like a fake movie. This it feels is like a, a movie fake movie. Spent, it is a fake it's movie. It's a straight to DVD <laughs> film. I don't this, understand this feels, it. Like, like what the asylum that does those ripoff movies? And yes. it feels like that. Yes. It feels like that. Yeah. Now, let's accept this movie in the canon ever so briefly. Mm-hmm. If Whalen Industries and Utani Corp have encountered and retrieved predator, predator technology, yeah. right? Why would they give two shits ever to finding and recovering a biological specimen right? from a species so volatile and primitive as the xenomorph? Exactly. One has weapons and faster than light travel. Yep. <laughs> The other is basically space age. Yes. 
why the fuck would you be like, oh, well, we got to get to that moon and we got to we gotta go get them eggs because we're going to make a weapon out of it. You got goddamn space lasers. You got a fucking space cannon. You got, you got technology. Why would you need any xenomorph anything? If anything, you'd be like, hey, if again, if these movies are canon, you'd be like, we need all the predator weapons we can get because we're going to have to defend our world against an impossible encroachment of this horribly right? volatile species. No, it's, it makes zero sense. So again, like you said, you try to introduce this into the canon of either film it series. It doesn't work. It fucks it, both it of fucks them up. It fucks everything up. And I mean, they do do a couple, like one or two things that I did appreciate with the mythology with the, the two creatures. They bring back the skin shedding, which I appreciate with the aliens. Yes. Because that disappeared. Yes for quite a while and so they brought that back which i appreciated um with the predator stuff we get a couple new weapons we get his the mapping weapon which seems a little too technologically advanced for him for their species we get see their home world and and they they go back to that more organic type of civilization instead of the mechanized one and i do give them credit for sticking with the end of avp where we've got this predator alien because that could have been abandoned like they abandoned so much stuff along the way and as as we continue along with this series so i do give them kudos for sticking with that but from the beginning of the film nothing makes sense okay The, cre- the, cre- the, the credit, the credits came up in that, like, that metallic text, and I went, Ugh. oh, fuck. Audibly, <laughs> I said, oh, fuck. Okay? Yep. Because I knew right away, I'm like, this is going to be dog shit. And I enjoyed the dog <laughs> shit because I love bad movies, and I love to see a train wreck, yeah. and this was definitely a train wreck. But even from the beginning, it makes no sense. Okay, the ship, its it takes off right from the end of, of AVP. It picks up yeah. right at the end of that. And we see the, 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 the combination of the two chestburster come out. And the ship is leaving Earth and gets to, like, Saturn. And all of a sudden, a ship, like a, a skate pod, comes out and goes back towards Earth. And then we get the that creature fucking everything up and taking over. Why is that ship going back to Earth in the first place? There's no, no reasoning. Clue. It makes no sense. I don't get it. It's like, you, why just have this ship crash right away? Why do you have it leaving and then coming back? <laughs> is it just because you wanted to be... Wanted to to show Saturn or something? I I don't yes. I don't get it. I don't get it. That 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 is a perfect summary of this entire film, <laughs> which is why I give it a zero out of ten. And it is the worst of the week. This is the <laughs> worst movie in this series. I I think this is terrible. I'm nominating it for the anti vault as this episode comes <laughs> out. I will be putting that up the poll up on Twitter. And I will put it into fucking quarantine. And I, I just, I want it away from me. I never want to think or talk about it again. So, yeah. Lindsay, what, what do you got for this film? Apparently, you loved it. Is this your number two? It's my or, number no, four. This is your number three. It's my number oh, four. No. And that's just because I love just watching the train wreck, but it gets like a two out of 10. It's complete dog shit. It's so fucking. Wait, your number four gets a two out of 10? Yeah. Like I said, my, my rankings are a little <sighs> uneven. I give it a four because I enjoyed watching the train wreck. But look, that means you. That means that means that there's two worse in your mind than this. Yeah. 
no, 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 no. Yeah, because AVP, I, I put as number five. Just because that okay. this this thing didn't even attempt to, to be a good movie, where AVP did. And that, that knocks it down further further for me. So, I mean... It, 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 was, it had higher everything, so therefore it, it failed harder. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. So that's my reasoning behind uh, it. <laughs> I mean, in the grand scheme, oh, it doesn't matter because we already picked the number one. But oh yeah, sure. But I mean, yeah, I I just I enjoyed watching the train wreck, and it was a train wreck from beginning to end. Yes. It, yeah. So. Well, <laughs> moving on to I think what's now going to be a very divisive movie betwixt us. Ooh. Of course, I'm talking about 2010's Predators, mm-hmm. which currently has a 65 percent on Rotten Tomatoes. What's the last thing you remember? All of a sudden, there was a light, and then I was falling. Who are you? I was in combat. Black Ops. Yakuza. Who would do this to us? We're being hunted. This planet is a game preserve. I'm ready to the game. Predators was directed by Nimrod Antal. It was written by Alex Litvak and Michael Finch. Mm-hmm. It is based on characters by Jim and John Thomas. It is the triumphal return of Topher Grace, last seen in <laughs> Spider-Man 3. It is the triumphal return of Walter... <laughs> it is the triumphant return of Walton Goggins, last seen in Ant-Man 2, Ant-Man and the Wasp. And it is the triumphal return of Larry Fishburne, mm-hmm. last seen in Nightmare on Elm Street 3, The Dream Warriors. This film was released July 9th, 2010, on a budget of $40 million. It again made $127.2 million. Dangerous killers, fine. They aren't the most cold-blooded ones on the planet. Mm-hmm. I've got uh, The Expendables in Space or Walton Goggins doing Walton Goggins shit. <laughs> <laughs> I got a lot of different thoughts right off the top. Mahershala Ali is in yes. this movie, which blew my mind. I, I saw it back the in the day. The cast is crazy. I didn't, who, I didn't know who he was at the time. <laughs> so then I'm like, oh, wow. You know, then now I know who he is. He's one of my favorite working actors. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Uh, where is Adrian Brody? After he made out with that 15-year-old at the Oscars, what happened to him? He, he just went a little too crazy. Because, I mean, he's, one, he's a method actor. Like, yeah. Uber method. He doesn't work anymore, does no. he? No. I, I, he does a lot of those straight... He's in the Bruce Willis category now where he's doing these just oh, churn them out, no. churn them out, direct to DVD things. I've seen him in a couple of those. So, yeah, That's he just... Good. After he won the Oscar and stuff, he just... Mm, nosedive. <laughs> My first note is... Thank God I can see. Yes. It was like a miracle. Yes, you can see everything. The first the first 35 minutes of this movie just flew by. Mm-hmm. And my question to you is did you find yourself caring about any of these characters? I it was it was tough. It was tough because they're all just pieces of shit. You know? Yeah. They're all pieces of shit. Yeah. I yeah, I liked some of them. You know, yeah. they were interesting. They had personality. They, it reminded me a lot of the first one where each one kind of has their own thing. They've got their own yeah. personality. But, and I knew a majority of them were going to die. Yes. But even with Adrian Brody, I mean, skipping to the end when the ship explodes, I was like, yay, he's dead. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I, 
okay. I, I wanted I was happy that he got exploded in a ship. I mean, it turns out not to be the case. But no, I, yeah. I did not really care for I didn't I had no investment in any of the characters yeah. at all. This to me is like a bit of a Twilight Zone episode, right? Yeah. Strangers trapped in a strange situation mm-hmm. as information is sort of slowly doled yes. out, right? It's which like is, a bottle which I love which I like. Which I like. It's a great like it just it just opens up. It's a cold open. The action just is already happening. We're on this alien world. We have multiple predator species. I do not believe that this is their home world. This is just a game preserve, essentially, that they've established. And this is a completely falling into the 2010s trend of antiheroes and downright villains being the protagonist or in the protagonistic role, uh, which everybody in this movie, they're all stone cold killers. I, I think that they, there's uh, several times in the script where characters do smart stuff. No, I, I, I really love that, that we're just thrust into the action. We don't know where we yeah. are. We, <laughs> we don't know who anybody else is. We don't know who our main character is. And yep. we discover things as they discover things. And this cast is just insane. Yeah. Cast is nuts. Adrian Brody, Lawrence Fishburne, Topher Grace, Walton Goggins, Danny Trejo. Yeah, and there there are enough homages to the original, even a few to Alien and Aliens uh, here and there. But it, it, to me, the, the homages don't feel forced. No. Um, I, I think where the movie kind of falls apart is I think it drags in the middle. Yes. I think once we get to the Lawrence Fishburne mm-hmm. stuff, it just grinds to a halt. And I don't think that stuff really works all that well. I don't think Fishburne's good. I, I, I understand I, what they're trying to do. With that yes. character, but it just it 100%. it doesn't work, and I think he he does an okay job. And I was wait, I was like, when he finally showed up, I was like, okay, I knew he was in this. I was waiting for him to show up. Um, yeah, but yeah, that's I think that's where the movie takes a turn and starts kind of losing losing its plot. <laughs> yeah, and then uh, my biggest issue with it is the Topher Grace reveal <sighs> doesn't jive. And I mean, I I like the the idea of it makes sense, yes. right? Is is the yeah, the setup is these are all killers. Mm-hmm. They all very quickly figure out one guy's yakuza. Adrian Brady's a mercenary. Mm-hmm. Uh, Braga works for uh, as a whatever. You know, they're all military yeah. people. They're all assassins. They're all stone cold killers. Mm-hmm. One guy works for uh, Danny Trejo is like a cartel enforcer, yep. et cetera, et cetera. Right? They're all terrible. People. Walter Goggins is like a, a Rapist psychopath killer, on death row. Just- Rapist Psycho killer, yeah. yeah. So it makes perfect sense, right? Like they they went around, they grabbed the most dangerous people they could yeah. find, and they throw them on this game preserve. And I like the planet, and I like the slow reveal that that this isn't Earth, mm-hmm. this isn't whatever. Like I like when they get to the cliff and they look out, and there's like there's like the sun hasn't moved, and like there's like five moons, right? and weird planets, <laughs> and I like all of that. I like the the predator, the war dogs. Yes, uh, I think they look great mm-hmm. uh, for the most part. They get a little ropey in some of the CGI in a certain part, but but I like their design, their overall design. Mm-hmm. I like them. They're I like that the, what they do with the predators. They make them more hunters again. Yes, I like that they're finding cages and stuff from other worlds. With other creatures mm-hmm. and skin and sloughing from other things. I, I like that just randomly. Yes. They, they almost redo the boar scene, but instead of it being a boar, it's just another random fucking alien. Yeah. That had been grabbed to be hunted, right? I, I like that. I like, 
I, it feels clever. It feels smart. Mm-hmm. I like the characters. I when the predator sets him up as a trap, uh, Danny Trejo, and he's like, "Help me, help me." <laughs> And they're like, no, 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 this is a fucking trap. Mm-hmm. And the one guy, Mahershal Ali, is like, I know because I do this. Yep. And then it pans out and you realize that the predator is the one that's making the, the doing the voice mm-hmm. and the imitation. It's all, you're like, holy shit. I like the idea of the predator and the super predator. Yes. Where there's like competing species mm-hmm. on this planet. And I, I like all of that, right? There's so much good in this movie. But it, it kind of like takes a little bit of a nosedive in the middle. It's not bad. No. It's just kind of boring yeah. and drags. Then it picks up again. Then it picks up really well and gets going again. It's really strong when they're trying to escape the ship and this and that and whatever. And Brody's like, fuck it. And he just does something to call the predators there. And mm-hmm. all that's good. But then when we get to like Adrian, and I even like the idea that Adrian Brody is just a piece of shit the entire yes. movie. And he's like, <laughs> this guy fucking got like, they didn't do this to stop us. They did this to slow us down. Mm-hmm. Fuck him. We're, I'm leaving him. You can come with me. I'm leaving no matter what. And then he really does. Yeah, he, he does. He fucking leaves. He's <laughs> like, bye. I like that. I like that, right? <laughs> From the point that the ship blows up, that doesn't really make any sense. No. Because why didn't he get on the ship? Yeah. <laughs> to the point where as they, as his ankle is busted, and if you notice, he can, uh, he's like he's standing fine his ankle. afterwards. Yeah. 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 That falls God. apart. She chooses to stay with him. Okay. All right. I get it. Um. They, they, they're thrown into a pit, right? I don't know why they're not killed immediately, yeah. but whatever. They're thrown into the pit. And then out of nowhere. For no reason. No reason. Because the, the idea is like they're all Stone Cold killers and there's this one guy who was probably picked up by accident. Yeah. Right? Why was this fucking guy picked up by accident? He's like, I don't belong here. I got kids. I'm a doctor. Whatever, whatever. Like, but it's, why but me, it's why Topher me, Grace, so you know there's something... There's something off Correct. there. <laughs> Correct. Then out of nowhere, he's like, oh, by the way, I'm a serial killer. Yeah. And I've stuck you with some psychotropic drugs I got from plants in an alien world. That I know about for uh, some reason. That I somehow know how to identify. And now I've paralyzed you. And I'm going to like slowly kill you. And you're going to feel everything. But you're not going to be able to do anything. Like, why is that the time where he's like. And all of a sudden, his face is crazy. His, well, his eyes yeah, are going and then two he, different directions. He starts going off on the soliloquy. Like, like I'm like the predators. Because we're like these awesome killers. And that's all we're consumed yeah. by is killing other uh, things. It's uh, like, they're yeah, going to kill Earth. you too, dude. They don't exactly. give a fuck about you. They're not going to identify yeah. with you. They're just going to kill you. <laughs> What doesn't work about it is he comes off as so normal. Yeah. The idea is if this guy is this unhinged, he never could have passed for normal. No. He passes as such a normal guy. And then he goes so crazy where he's like, I'm a monster and, on, on, and I'm a freak on earth. Mm-hmm. But here I'm just like everybody else. I like it here. I want to stay. Well, first of all, you don't have any option. No. Nobody was forcing him to leave the planet. Yeah. He could have just been like, I want to stay here. Yeah. That's number one. Number two, yet they don't know Adrian Brody's plan. So they don't know that he's getting a ship to get off the planet, really. No. Because he negotiates that with the smaller, more traditional predator. Mm-hmm. He's like, look, I'll cut you loose. You get me on a ship and get me the fuck out of here. And again, I do like this. Hunter's Code. Hunter's Code. And, you know, whatever, the Predator's like, yeah, fine, sure, right? The, the, the trapped one is like, mm-hmm. okay, it's fine. I'll fucking hack this ship. I'll, I, he sets the coordinates to Earth, right? Yep. He shows him. He's like, I'm sending you to Earth. 
get on a fucking ship, get out of here, and I'm going to stay here. I'm going to kill these, you know, whatever, this other species mm-hmm. that have been fucking torturing me. And uh, cool. Got it. I even like the other idea where the bigger predator beats the weaker one because he's been fucking crucified for right? however long. <laughs> and then he blows up the ship. He's like, fuck that. I'm a blood blow the ship up. Uh, that's fine. Adrian Brody should have been on that he ship. He should have been on that <laughs> ship. Why? I understand what they're going for. And I'll even say this. When they flip it around and he does the Arnold thing, but not just with mud, but when he does, he realizes they, they hunt by heat. Yeah. So he sets everything on fire. Yeah. That is clever. It is. And it's fucking awesome. And he's just like jumping out of the flames and like cold cocking the predator with like Mm -hmm. a log and shit. I'm like, this is good. This feels like a predator movie. But with the logic of what they've presented to us, he should have blown up on the ship. Yeah. It's almost, it's almost like they, they, they like, they put in like two or three wrinkles too many at the end to be too clever when they were doing a good enough job. Yeah. No. And it's a little sexist. I'm going to say it because. Yes. That girl, she's obviously very capable because they wouldn't yes. have brought her to that planet. She should have been the one doing the fire camouflage stuff and killing the predator and be there by herself alone on the planet and seeing all the parachutes come down. That would have made for a better ending for me. But we had to have the hero yes. moment with Adrian Brody, who's been a dick the whole time and not cared about anyone <laughs> the whole time. For some reason, yeah. he decides... Nah, I don't need to go home, and I'm going to stay here, and I'm going to save you. It just doesn't make sense. I think you're right. I think they, they should have pivoted to Alice Braga's character. Yeah. I think that she should have been the one. Because the rest of the movie, to the movie's credit, she's capable. She's, she's smart. Capable. She's level-headed. She, yeah, she, she still cares about le- people. She's the redeeming yep. person in this group. Yes. She's a soldier. not necess- She's a, a, a killer because mm-hmm. she's... But she's a soldier, not necessarily a just loose cannon psychopath yeah. like the rest of these people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, including Adrian Brody, yes. right? Who's just purely killing for money yep. and has no, like you said, no redeeming quality. Mm-mm. I I get the idea of like, well, him going back kind of redeems him. Yeah. This, that whatever. We didn't need it. Well, and there's there was no clue that he would do that. There's that's it. There's no seed planted yeah. for that, and that's the same thing with Topher Grace's character. If some of the other psychos would have called him out, like, "Hey, you, nah, you're you're fucked up too," some if there would have been a scene like that where like Walton Goggins yeah. kind of clocked him a little, but there was nothing yes. like that. So it was just so out of no, it was just out of left field, and so it didn't work. I I get what they were going oh, for. Yeah. It's just like it's like one twist too many, right? Yep. It's just like it just didn't. It, it like the movie. Sad to say, like the movie is strong enough without it. You yes. didn't need it. Mm-hmm. You know, um, yeah. So the, I, it, but overall, uh, what really surprised me is I remember like thinking when I saw it when it originally came out, I was like, that's ah, all right. You know, it's <laughs> like it was fine. I really liked it this time. I did Despite too. its flaws, I, I, and here's the thing I think it's the smartest sequel we've ever got. Yes, it is. Because it's the great escape meets Die Hard mm-hmm. me, meets the original Predator or something yeah. like that. And they actually had a sequel idea for this, which was it was just going to pick up and Braga and Brody's character mm-hmm. were going to find another ship and hijack it. And then it was going to be like Die Hard on a Predator ship. Oh, that's cool. Where they had to 
survive on this large ship that's full of predators. (laughs) (laughs) And they're hunted on the ship. And I feel like the first part of the movie would have been like the like continuing with that like great escape idea, mm-hmm. right? And then like the next part of the movie was going to be like Die Hard on a Predator ship. And I was like, and and you know Robert Rodriguez produced this, yeah. and they got the the direction is good again, mm-hmm. <laughs> and the cinematography it looks like a real it movie. It looks like a real movie. It, fe- <laughs> it feels like a real movie. Like you said, the cast is great, and I'm like, shit, like I don't. I know it didn't like it made money, but it didn't really like perform yeah. great. I don't know why they didn't continue in this direction. I know, and I th- I think it does a good thing because the 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 predator world has been semi established, and this just tells another facet of it. It's it's like it's not yes. it's not a main through through the predator lore. It's like a side story, which I think is a cool yes. idea because you can play around with so much different things without fucking up canon or, or, or really changing what the predator is at, at, it, at its core. And so I, that's, that's, I think that's the biggest thing going for this movie. Yeah. And we, and the thing is, it doesn't answer all the questions. No. Like for instance, this game preserve, right? We, we've established there's like two species of the predators mm-hmm. in this movie, right? There's the super predator, they're bigger, they're whatever, right? We don't even really have an explanation as to Mm -mm. why they are. Then there's the smaller ones, which are the ones we're familiar with. Is this game preserve the set up by the larger ones? Is like, is it like a divergent civilization to where it's like, we're not going to these fucking planets. (laughs) We're going to take the creatures from the planet. Because you think about rich people, Mm -hmm. right? Rich people don't go and... For the most part, they don't go hunt in real places. No. They go to game preserves. It, yeah, it's called canned hunting. It's where you, you pay a fee and you get to yep. shoot a giraffe. You're guaranteed. You're and that's, <laughs> yeah, that's kind of the sense that I get for this, mm-hmm. right? Is that I think the super predators are like, we're not fucking doing what our cousins do. Yeah. Fuck, fuck the poor. <laughs> we're just going to have, we're going to take this planet, right? Mm-hmm. And we're just going to fucking flood it with different species. That, and they can't leave, mm-hmm. right? That's the right. It's it's there, there's there's because uh, one of the characters is like I realized like there was there was no perimeter, yeah. Right? I think it's Lawrence Fishburne's yep. character. He's like there's there. I, I, I try to get out of the area, mm-hmm. and I realize there is no end. There's no there is no perimeter, right? No. You're like you're you're they're in this enclosed space basically on this planet. So <clears throat> it's the same idea, and so I I. They don't movie doesn't establish this, but I kind of think that's what it is: is this yeah. divergent, do, more dominant version of the species has set up this game preserve, like mm-hmm. you were talking about. They're guaranteed to get kills. They're not really following the same code. No. Um, and this, and they even to the point of where they've they've got their cousins fucking there to hunt, right? <laughs> and I was like, that's kind of interesting, yeah. right? And then also. They, they then you can just have a bunch of fucking psychopaths on that planet, mm-hmm. and you have this ragtag group of psychopaths. Who have to do, I'm like, well, th- that th- like really like if this had been Predator Two, I like like right? this feels right. Yeah, this feels right. It does. Yeah. And and Lawrence Fishburne kind of talks about it how they'll break there's seasons. Like they'll bring in a bunch of things yes. and they'll learn each time. They'll adapt. They're yep. like, okay, we got bested in this area, so we're going to come back and we'll have these different tactics and different equipment. And it's just tr- they're training themselves to be better 
that are predators and there it's well this it's kind yeah. of like a simulation like how how, yes. how pilots do you know and fighter pilots do simulations to try to learn things it's it's kind of a they're gaming the system a little bit to try to get ahead yeah well and the thing that we know right from the first two films because this is in the canon of the first two mm -hmm. films it's it's shit can the alien versus predator shit <laughs> and it's like this picks up after you know predator 2 mm -hmm. basically and it it so the thing that we the first two films what we've seen is we've only seen one predator per yeah hunt basically mm -hmm. even though others are present yes especially in the second yeah. one right they're there but it's this guy's hunt mm -hmm. is the one that we're following this the one that Glover kills yes and this planet the superior species they hunt in a hunting party mm -hmm. there they is use dogs. The, they even have names yeah they use dogs there's one that's known as like the berserker which is the biggest mm -hmm. one. And that's the one that like goes crazy and like is really That's kind the of one savage. that's got there's like one... the bone jaw, right? Yeah, mm -hmm. right. There's a falconer who uses like the the like falcon tech to like find the prey and then send mm -hmm. the dogs in to flush them out. And then, then there's like another one which I think is like the sharpshooter or something yeah. like that. And uh which I think is the one that um uh gets killed in the with the uh the, the, samurai yeah. sword. Which was great. That's such a with, good scene. The, they just both died. Yes. <laughs> I was I was watching it. I was like, okay, here's what they did. They took the Billy scene. They're like, what if that was cool? Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Like, because we didn't get to see it, and all we hear is Billy scream off mm -hmm. off screen. It works for that movie, but they're like, what if we did that? But this time they just we showed you the predator. <laughs> we showed you, and the predator was bested. Mm -hmm. But the other guy died too, yeah. right? And they just both die. It's so good. <laughs> and so obviously, like this is something different than what we've seen before. Yes. They're hunting in packs. They're cheating, like you're saying. They're gaming mm -hmm. the system. It, yeah, it's they're, familiar, they're <clears throat> but expanded yes. upon and and yes. and shows us new things as well. Which is why when it kind of trips up. In the middle, and with Topher Grace, and mm -hmm. with Adrian Brody, it's like so disappointing because you're it like, is. "This is a great Predator sequel," mm -hmm. and it's like, "Oh, damn it, oh, <laughs> damn it!" Yeah, so I can only give it like I, I give it like a seven point eight yeah. out of ten, and it is my number two. I really enjoyed it more than I remembered the first time. Yeah, but it, it does to use what we you said before. It does get in its own way. Yeah, I it's my number three, and I give it like a seven point five out of ten. Okay, so we're not that far. No. Off. I thought you were gonna be like, this is the worst. Oh one. god. Oh. Oh no. Oh no. No. I no, this one did some this one you could tell people were actually thinking about it and yes. it was like, what would be cool? What haven't we done? What have we done? How can we put those two things together? No. And this, what makes sense based on what we've seen. Yes. No, I, I what, really this, enjoyed yeah. this one. Yeah. All right, well, fuck me. Ah. I sense a Washburn rant coming. I might just lay out and let you go for it. Of course, we're talking about, I, I don't even know how this happened. I don't know either. We're talking about 2018's The Predator, which currently has a 33% that's so, Rotten that's Tomatoes. That's too high. It's way too high. <laughs> you found him in Mexico. Data suggests they track prey. A range of snipers made first contact. He's being evaluated. You shove me again, I'm gonna break your neck. Is 
the loony bus. We told you, why are you here? I had to run in with a space alien. <laughs> That's the thing that killed my man. It'll take us one by one. So come and get us. This film was directed by Shane Black. Yeah. It was written by Fred Decker and, and Shane, Shane Black. Black. <sighs> it's the triumph return of Boyd Holbrook, lasting in Logan. It's the triumph return of Olivia Munn. We will get to her. Uh, lasting in X-Men Apocalypse. Ooh. This film was released September 14th, 2018, and a budget of $88 oh million. Oh, where did that money go, Lindsay? Oh, Not the special effects. No. <laughs> this movie made $160 million. Oh, my God. Horrific stereotypes and sex offenders are slaughtered by CGI nightmares <laughs> in search of autism. I just wrote down bad idea jeans. Because everybody was wearing them. <laughs> <laughs> everybody was wearing them. Holy shit. Before its release, we heard that this movie had to be reshot, and the, the, the final act of the movie was three quarters of the way rewritten. Oh my god! This is after a production delay. This is after rewrite. This is after them having to get rid of a sex offender who they cast as a side role. This is after the studio was like, this movie is not good. We need to fix it. And 10 minutes and 57 seconds of this movie, the movie still opens with the idea that Asperger's, a.k.a. Asperger's slash autism, is going to be the major plot point of this movie. God. It's so crude and malinformed and cruel and unnecessarily mean and it's punching down and even though they want to do this whole thing of like no being non-neurotypical is a superpower yeah it's the next step it's in evolution a, it's so ugly and mean-spirited and stupid of a movie and here's the thing i we have a dark checkered history with kids on this show kid actors yeah Pat, our, my, my dead co-host, once said he wanted all kids, kid actors, to be replaced by little people in movies. That's how much he didn't want to see kids. And I concurred at the time. Mm -hmm. But Jacob Tremblay is actually can be a good child He's actor. He's good. There are good child actors. I mean, and there's a shit ton of that are just fucking annoying. But there are good child actors out there. And he's one of them. So what they cast a good kid actor. Mm -hmm. What an incredible waste of talent. Exactly. It's, it's, there, I, I, there's not a right decision made at any point in this None. Movie. I, I. From the oh. point that, okay, let's, let's start here. Let's start here. <laughs> okay. Can we talk about houses and movies? <laughs> a soldier who is estranged from his family. The family. Mm -hmm. The wife who has no character. No. I don't even know if she has a fucking name. No. No personality, no. no job. She's no there prospects. to say how awesome her husband is. 
<laughs> that is it. They live in a 30,000 square foot right? house that's open, concept, and furnished exclusively by West Elm. Yeah. Where is this money coming from? I don't know. I have no idea. I. Uh... What world does this movie take place in? It feels like it, this movie feels like it takes place in the same fucking world as Alien versus Predator Requiem. Yeah, it does. But it is written and directed by Shane, Shane Black. Black and co-written by Fred fucking Decker. <sighs> it's like, How do these two guys turn out this time? I don't know, because I love Shane Black and his humor. I like Lethal Weapon, uh, Long Kiss Goodnight, Nice Guy. Yep. He, he does that shit so well. And at this one, it's like he was trying too hard. Because it's, awful. it's just awful. All the scenes on the bus with the ragtag group of loonies, it's just, it's just, mm. it's cringe inducing how bad yes. it is. It's just, not, nothing works. It's not nothing. fun. It's not clever. It's just bad. <laughs> I call it the, the gimmick bus because everybody yeah. has a fucking gimmick. Yeah. You have a character who's called Gaylord. Which is like, what is this? Is this, this is like juvenile humor mm -hmm. from 1986. Like, we're so far beyond this. Nah. It, 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 it's not even just offensive because it's offensive to a lot of different groups right. of people. It's offensive because it's really fucking stupid. Yeah. And dated and unfunny mm -hmm. and cruel. So it's, well, this character is called Gaylord. Right. And I was like, that's not, and he likes opium. And it's yeah. Like, okay. This guy's name's Coyle, and he just has nothing but bad jokes, and that's his character. And Thomas and Jane has Tourette's, and he says pussy. Oh ah, ha, ha, ha. Uh, <laughs> Lynch is a pyro. Nettles is the Bible boy, which never factors into his actual character nothing. at all. Like, and it's like, yeah, I, and then I understand it's, it's fun when the ragtag group each has their own personality and little thing, yeah. but this, this is, this is distorting it through the funhouse mirror where you're, it's, it's try hard, cringy bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it's, it's, well, what's mind boggling about this is Black and Decker. Yeah. I said it. Black and Decker are masters this is what they're known for yeah. right of creating especially black creating dynamic characters yes. who are typically one-dimensional stereotypes but he does something more interesting mm -hmm. with them I'll give you a classic example of this martin riggs is the devil may care devil may cry mm -hmm. i don't care whatever whatever hot death shot wish. cop right death wish this guy's got a death wish doesn't care blah 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 mm -hmm. blah blah right so really what it what it really is is like de death wish what he really is, is he's a riff on that template created by Dirty Harry. Yeah. Dirty Harry, Charles Bronson, and, all that kind of stuff. Or Charles Bronson, or any of those characters, mm -hmm. right? He is that, you know, like, they, they, all, all these movies, they all borrowed from westerns, but especially, like, their first couple Dirty Harry yeah. films, right? Where it's like, I don't want a partner, I don't need nobody, mm -hmm. I do, I take the law in my own hands, blah, 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 blah. Yes. The twist on it, though is even though he's going to do some wacky shit, and even though he's going to do some crazy shit, how are we introduced to Riggs? We're introduced to him with a gun in his yes. mouth, and he's getting ready to kill himself. 
he is so he's such a broken man because his wife died and you and that yes. humanizes him where he's not just a caricature and these people Bingo. in this movie are caricatures that's the difference between old Shane Black or the premier Shane Black mm-hmm. and the stuff that we're getting here. Here's why. If you ground your character in some kind of relatable, yes. real pathos, mm-hmm. and then you start doing strategically funny, funny things or weird things or whatever, like, okay, the, the perfect example is this, is first lethal weapon, it's the yeah. Christmas farm scene, right? Yes. The, the, the tree lot. Mm-hmm. He's doing the Three Stooges yes. bit. He's doing this and that. It's it's eighties action movie, funny, ha ha ha, whatever. You know, Mel Gibson piece of shit. But yep. we're going back to the eighties. You know, Mister Charming, this that whatever, handsome guy, ha ha ha. Mm-hmm. He's kicking ass, taking names, whatever, whatever. We've already seen the guy wanted to die. We've already and and there's already this semi comedic conflict between them. But then that fucking scene, the tone of that scene switches because he's like, you know, it's a he, he's like, you know, you know. You, Every morning I wake up with a fucking gun in my head. I even got a special bullet saved for it. Mm-hmm. The only thing that keeps me from doing it is the job, man. Yep. It's just the job. And Glover looks at him and goes, you're not like tr- just trying to get a draw a pension. Yeah. You really are crazy. Mm-hmm. Right? And it, the drama of it, f- the, 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 the humanity of mm-hmm. it grounds the craziness of it, if that makes any sense. No, it makes perfect sense. You establish the character first. And then you can play with tones and stuff like that. But you have to keep coming back yes. to some kind of reality. Mm-hmm. This does not do that. No, not at all. He is famous for being able to juggle tones. He's famous for being able to take typically one-dimensional characters and making them seem more human. Mm-hmm. He's famous for taking a character like in Long Kiss Goodnight of this one character and you're in one type of movie yep. and it turns out you're in another type of movie. Mm-hmm. That's what he's famous for. He can't do it here. No. I It's this I it's bizarre. It is. And just I I was so confused by this movie because this is the first time I'd watched it. I hadn't watched it cuz I'd heard how bad it was. I'm like I don't want to waste my time. And so yeah. finally sitting down to watch it, I was just I was just flabbergasted cuz nothing made sense and things just no. happened for no reason. And with no, no agency or anything, just nothing. And the ca- a great example of that is Olivia Munn's character, oh, right? Because even even when things happen for no reason, even when they give a reason, it doesn't make sense. No. Why are you on this project? Because she wrote a letter to the president when she was six years old, yeah. which was later cross referenced to some of her studies in genetics. Yeah. I'm just like in in what world are the letters of six year olds to presidents being retained and put into some kind of database for an algorithm? Yeah, it makes no sense. And her character serves no purpose. She's there to she's there to give ex, ex exposition and dumb yes. exposition. Yeah, for that matter, it, it she her character could be removed from the film and it wouldn't change anything. What she's there for is not just, like you said, exposition, but it's this winking, crude, dated, unclever exposition where she's like, well, really, shouldn't they be called hunters? Yeah. And it's like, well, you get it because that's what the screenplay was originally called. Yeah. And her whole character is like, isn't this stupid? 
Oh, God. And this is, we, you and I have talked about this before. Mm-hmm. This is the dumbest thing. I don't understand why this tendency exists. Dear Hollywood, this is my <laughs> letter to you. You know that an idea, an IP, is successful enough and profitable enough that if you take the name and you make a movie off of it, you think you're going to make some money. Yep. They do this, and then they make one of these goddamn belated sequels, and they go, how fucking stupid is this thing you like? Right? <sighs> what is the point? You're using the name because you know there's a built-in audience. Mm-hmm. You then get that built-in audience to come to the theater, to pay money, to watch your dog shit movie, and then tell them that everything you like is stupid. Yeah. No, the cynicism is palpable with this film and it, it makes no sense because that's why i don't understand why he, he didn't have to make this there was no contractual no. obligation for shane black to make this movie why did he write it so like you said so cynical yeah. so oh man what a fucking turd these predator movies are right yeah. what a fucking waste of time look at these fucking dumb characters look at this stuff look, like that's the whole tone of mm-hmm. it that's the whole tone of this yeah. movie. Who is this for? I don't casual know. View, casual viewers aren't going to give a fuck. No. The hardcore audience who's your built-in They're going to fucking weekend, hate you for it. They're going to hate you. <laughs> who is this for? And it's like they throw in this stuff just to reference the original, but it's dog shit. Like, they got, they got Jake Busey in this as keys for no reason. Yes. It's no connection to his character from the second one. He's just there no. like, ha here's a connection. Remember, his dad played the guy in the second movie. Yeah. What point Same does last that name. serve? Same yep. last name. It, yep. it makes no he sense. He does nothing. He doesn't do anything. Yeah. <laughs> you, you have to get your audience to buy into the conceit of your film, mm-hmm. no matter how silly it is, right? Yeah. So you have to be clever in establishing your world, your premise, your mm-hmm. rules, your characters before you get to the silly stuff. Yeah. And uh, this movie does not do that. And here's what it is. Here's what we're describing is it's called the suspension of disbelief. Mm-hmm. You've got to get your audience in the first 10 minutes yeah. of the fucking movie over that hurdle. Yeah. Then as long as you stay within some parameters, you can do a lot like, we talked about with the first fucking Predator mm-hmm. movie. You can do a lot of w- weird, wacky stuff that would be a B movie in anybody else's hands, but McTiernan and that movie yes. does such a good job getting you over the hump mm-hmm. to believe in this world with all these overbuilt muscular guys right. and making you believe they're really not, they're not, they're, that they're not a threat, mm-hmm. that they are under a threat. They are in danger, and it really gets you to believe in that, that this yes. invisible fucking dreadlocked alien is hunting them, and right? it gets you to believe it, and it gets, and therefore you feel the tension. This movie doesn't do any no. of it. It's too busy trying to be funny It's trying and to be clever. And clever. Yeah, and it's not, because they do shit like when she first sees the, the, the predator laying there on the table, she, she says, oh, you're one beautiful motherfucker. It's like, what... What point is that? What sense does that make? And then there's there's this, they throw out the get to the chopper line at yes. at a couple points and and things things happen in this movie just out of nowhere. They don't set it up. 
They don't show it happening. It's like, where do they get an RV? Where did that one guy get a cop car? How did the kid get a radio in the spaceship to talk to his dad to tell him that there was a force field that was going to come up? It's like, how do all these things happen? They, they don't set up anything. This, this movie is all payoff. There's no setup. It's just, it's just trash. (laughs) (laughs) It's just trash. Um, At some point, somebody has a line, not my space animal. Oh, yeah. I think that's Olivia Munn. She's talking about the dog for some reason that they keep around. I don't know why. (sighs) Okay, so they bring the dogs back, but they're not the dogs from uh, Predators. No. They, they look like shit. They're cartoon characters. The CGI in this is terrible. It's so bad. Um, it, what They shoot one point blank in the head, and then for some reason it becomes... Lobotomized? In, like, they, lobotomized, yeah, they but also it. like they tamed it somehow. <laughs> and so, so it just ends up like joining them. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let, let, let's do this. Okay, Olivia Munn. Oh, God. Let's do actor's court. (laughs) (laughs) It's the case of binge movies v. Olivia Munn. (sighs) In this movie, here's what I'll say. I I think I make a case. She's not given a single good line. No. She She doesn't belong in the movie. It doesn't really matter. Not at all. Is she an actress? I'm trying to think of other stuff she's been. I I mean, she was in the X-Men movies. Uh, She's not. I don't know. I don't know why she's in movies. <laughs> I mean, I haven't seen a lot, a lot of her stuff, but there's nothing that sticks out. Like, oh yeah, I remember that character. She's she's extremely forgettable. I hate to say someone doesn't deserve their career. <laughs> I just don't know why she has one. No, I don't know either. And by all accounts, she's she's um, there are rumors coming off of this set of uh, that she didn't know her lines. There are some <sighs> production assistants that came out and they leaked this, and she would show up late, didn't know her lines, and was just screamed at everybody on the set the entire time. Good it was just Lord. rude to everybody, including the director. Wow. And 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 she really saw herself as she was the star of this film. She's terrible. Like, you, she, yeah, you're given terrible material, but she is also actively bad in this movie. Oh yeah, I mean, the, like, a good act, a good bad. actor can take a shitty piece of dialogue and make it something. Yeah. Or or a character that's got some personality and panache. I mean, you give any line of dialogue to to even like a character actor like Sid Haig, he's gonna make it something. Yeah. But she's just, she's flat, she's nothing, and, and this film doesn't help that, help her. No. It, does, it gives her no help. No, no help whatsoever. And it's a movie, that, like you said, it's just filled with baffling choices. Like, why are we doing this? Like, for instance, they just decide that he's going to get this Predator equipment in Mexico, yeah. mail it to whatever. It accidentally ends up in his kid's hands. The kid, it's Halloween, so the kid doesn't want to wear the cheap mask that, like, in in 2018, what mom was going to, who lives in a mansion, was going to the discount drugstore and getting a cheap Frankenstein's monster mask. And sending her child out 
alone to trick Who or has treat. Enough autism that he's horribly bullied. Yes. And that teacher at the beginning should be fired. They pull yes. that fire alarm and he leaves that kid behind. It's like you're teaching yes. a special needs kid and you you leave them behind when there's a yep. fire alarm going off. What the fuck are you doing? There's so many just yeah. Ugh, this this movie so, makes my brain hurt. <laughs> he wears the predator mask to go trick or treating, and then a random guy throws like an apple or something yeah. at him, and then it just blow, blows him up and blows great his entire explosion. fucking house up. Great explosion! It's a great explosion, <laughs> but the, the decision to have Jacob Tremblay straight murdering a random yeah. is a baffling decision. I don't get it. We're supposed to laugh. We're supposed to go ah, right. <laughs> And I'm like, I don't know that that's funny. He just murdered a guy. <laughs> I, what? And here's uh, the thing. This movie is never good. There's never anything good about it. By the time we get to the baseball field. Oh, God. The special effects, the direction, everything about it takes a complete and total nosedive. Mm-hmm. When you have characters slipping and sliding on CGI glow-in-the-dark predator blood. Mm-hmm. That looks like it was hand animated. Yeah. And that's when we get to the, the shoot the dog in the head and all like they just all happen to arrive at the same yeah. ball field where the kid is and this, everything about this movie. It's already bad. Everything about it goes straight into a new level of terrible. Just fucking awful. And another thing that this movie does is it tells. It doesn't show. Yes. All the time. There's a scene where they first see the giant 11-foot predator killer thing. And I think it's at the ball field, even. Um, Yeah, the GMO predator. Yes, the GMO predator. And Olivia Munn goes, oh, my God, it grew an exoskeleton under its skin. Did you see that? And I'm like, no, I didn't see that. What the fuck are you talking about? And that never comes back at all. It's never referenced again. It's like, well... What does that matter? What it doesn't it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. At and here's all. the thing. This movie comes out almost a decade after Predators. Okay. Oh my god. And it looks worse. And the design of the super predator from Predators is far superior yes. to the design of the GMO predator. Yeah, and it's like to make something more menacing you don't have to just make it bigger <laughs> oh well see it's here so here's uh, if you haven't seen this movie we're talking around it but here's the basic premise it turns out that there's two factions of predators i wonder where they got that yeah. from. But, but now one's even bigger than the other big one mm-hmm. we saw and it turns out that when they're collecting our skulls and shit they're not just collecting them as trophies they're drinking our spinal fluid yeah. and they're getting our DNA because they're beginning to genetically augment themselves. And, and the way we figure this out is we capture one of the OG predators. Now here's to your point. What doesn't make any fucking sense is Sterling K Brown immediately says, Oh, we think they're here to try to help us. Yeah. If you think that this thing is here to help us, why is it sedated and being held hostage in a fucking lab? Right? If it is here to help us. And here's the thing. You're like, well, we can't communicate with it. Bullshit. Because later at the end of the movie, it turns out they've deciphered their language. There's a, and there's and a translator. A translator device 
Why not ask him if you are under the inclination that you think he's here to help us for some reason? I don't know why they come to that conclusion. Why not fucking ask him what he wants? You can talk to him. Yeah. It makes no fucking sense. The predator that is here to help us save the planet from these GMO predators. <laughs> when he escapes, he just murders everybody. 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 But he was here to help us. And it turns out that they're, they're, they love to get drunk off of our spinal fluid and mix up their DNA with our, mm -hmm. theirs for some reason, which has never been established no. before. But what they really want is that sweet, sweet autism. Yes. Because autism is the next stage of galactic because evolution. With autism, you can do anything. <laughs> you can figure out alien technology and language. Yep. You can be seven yep. and, and have a desk <laughs> at a robotics firm. You yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. Nothing but you can do anything. Nothing but things. Nothing but great things. Autism is magic. Yes. And if you can get it inside yourself, then you can be fixed. And that raises my question: If this predator wants autism so bad, why does he not just get vaccinated? Oh God! <laughs> <laughs> oh my God! That's terrible There's and fucking hilarious at the same time. <laughs> There's an easier way, There's an easier right? route, dude. You don't got to do all this rigmarole chasing back and forth. Just ask Jenny McCarthy, right? <laughs> oh, there, my okay, God. Do you, now, do you know, now, as dumb and as terrible as this movie is, do you know that there were three endings shot for it? One that they used. Oh, fuck. What, what, there was one that was proposed that was never shot. The way the movie ends is the autistic, everybody dies in these horribly cartoony CGI ways. The bland, uh, whatever, Colton McCoy, what's his name? What's I don't Colton even remember Bigsby. his character's name. I, yeah, I, I don't even remember his name. What's his name? Uh, Boyd Holbrook. Yeah, that's what it is. Uh, Boyd Holbrook is the dad. His son's got the autism. He's like, oh, the predators are here for me because I'm a great warrior. And then, like you said, they don't show it to us. Olivia Munn goes, no, they're not here for you. They're here for your son who has autism because some Christ. people believe that that's the next form of human evolution. That's the exact line. That's the exact line. So they kidnapped the boy and they're going to take him somewhere to get his DNA. I don't, I know. don't know. So they can give them all them, all the GMOs can all get autism. Uh, it seems again, it seems like if you have fight faster than light travel, you don't need autism. No. You're smart enough as you need to be. But um, <laughs> so, so they've kidnapped this child with autism. He ends up getting rescued. Da 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 da. They kill the predator. Blah 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 blah. Then it just kind of ends very abruptly, and with this like weird funeral with all of like these knickknacks, some of which we've never seen at yeah. any point in the movie for these A characters. Hula girl, what? What? Yeah, I, he's like so stupid. It, it's so stupid. Then flash forward to apparently the this. America's best dad is not raising his child anymore. No. Neither is the mother who no. is never seen again. The boy is being raised by scientists in a, like you said, He's robot, robotics lab. being raised by Elon Musk. I'm half-ass surprised they didn't call that uh, uh, Skynet or... Yeah. Um, uh, well, I... What's the... Um, what's Cyberdyne. The, Cyberdyne. Yeah. I'm, because here was the original idea. They, they find a suitcase, basically, that the original OG Predator was here to bring us technology. Mm -hmm. And Jacob Tremblay, with his autism, is just working on Predator tech at a desk, like you said. Mm -hmm. And then he, they're like, oh, my God, what is it? And then he looks at the computer and he goes, 
I think you would call it a predator killer, mm-hmm. which again, do they call themselves predators? <laughs> That's I don't the know. Name we gave them. Yeah. Uh, but whatever. So, okay, predator killer. Okay. It's basically an Iron Man suit. Mm-hmm. But originally, it was not supposed to be an Iron Man suit. It was supposed to be Arnold Schwarzenegger. I thought I could. I was wondering if that was where it was going. I'm like, this is going to be a a, a, a what is it? A T100 or T whatever the the yeah, name of the T800. T800. I'm like, this is going to be a T800. But it wasn't. <laughs> no, they were going to bring it back as Dutch. They were going to bring Dutch back as the Predator Killer. Oh. And it was going to be Arnold as an older Dutch. And they're like, the, they, for whatever reason, even though that many of them have now been killed at human hands, yeah. for whatever reason, they were very impressed with this one guy in the jungle from the 80s. Whatever. <laughs> uh, so that's that was the one, but Arnold refused to appear in the of movie. Of course, because he has some self-respect. <laughs> More than Stallone, but that's true, two. true. Then the next one was this. This is gonna boil your brain. They filmed this. Oh, the stunt double. They oh, the pod opens, and you see this face mask looking thing. But it's it's technology, like an Iron Man thing. But it's in the shape of a face hugger. And underneath it, there's a person in a flight suit, and the name is Ripley. I would have shot my TV if that happened. <laughs> they filmed it. Oh, my They built it. God. They filmed it. They shot it. There's that makes worse no one. sense. That makes absolutely a, zero sense. There's a worse one. They did the exact same thing, only the name is Newt. Oh, fuck off. These were filmed. The production designs have been leaked by the guy who is the artist, Yuri Everson. It was on his Instagram. You can find them online. That makes this is so, all real. That makes no sense at Why all. Why is the suit that the Predator built have a mask that looks like a facehugger and the Predator killer inside is women who will not be born for another 200 years? And have never seen a Predator. No. <laughs> or face a predator. No. What the f- Nope. That oh. So the what mm. the one they mm. go with is this one where it just randomly gets onto like a random tech guy and then the ending line is like, Does this come in a forty two long yeah. bubba? And that's how the no, movie is. And it's it really is saying something about this film where the ending they did go with, which was fucking shitty, was the best <laughs> one that they came up with. Yeah. Good God. Is there, I, 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 is there anything else that you have to say? Any, any final thoughts about <laughs> The Predator? There's, there's just one. I mean, we've already talked about the worst stuff, but more, more <laughs> getting more, a little bit more into it is our main character just sucks. He just <laughs> sucks. He's horrible. He's a horrible soldier. He's a horrible dad. I mean, you send your child alien technology and your first priority isn't getting to him. No, you're going to kick back and have beers at the hotel lounge and fuck around with these crazy people. It's like, what are you doing? What? There's no, there's no agency to this film. There's no expedience, nothing. It's just, it's just, it's a slap of mashed potatoes on, on a, on a plate. That's all it is. 
it's what is so weird about it is it it didn't need to be made and it didn't need to be made by these people no so why did shane black agree to make this movie when it very it's very apparent he doesn't like the idea he doesn't like the world he thinks he thinks all of this is stupid and beneath him Mm -hmm. and whatever whatever and some people have even gone so far as to say that they actually think this movie is a subtle satire of these type of legacy requel reboot kind of a thing franchise cash-ins i don't get the sense that that's what this is i don't get the sense that this movie's because you can you can do that and and still make a good movie yeah and he doesn't. I don't know. I don't. I know people got excited when it was first announced that he'd be yes. at the helm of the new Predator series, and they're like, "That's awesome because we like what he does, and he was involved with the first one, but probably not, evidently." <laughs> <laughs> so right. I mean, he's got this connection to to the original, so I think that's why people got excited, and then yeah. and then the studio was like, "Oh, people are excited, so let's just keep going." And I think he just. He didn't care, or I think he he miscalculated what people really liked about the original. Yes, and it just is just terrible, just terrible. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> when a movie is just terrible, what would you give it out of ten? Oh God, I mean, you can you can at least see everything in this movie. Yeah. So I mean, <laughs> that's where we're at now, right? That's Lindsay where we're the, at with this franchise. I, I can see it. I can, can see, see everything. <laughs> I give this thing like a like a four out of ten. That's generous. It is you. generous. I mean, just because there is some competency technically wise. Like you yeah. can see everything, you can under, you can hear everybody, you can understand what they're saying. The shots are in focus. <laughs> the bar, you can hear what everybody is saying. Yes. Sometimes in this movie, I wish I couldn't hear. That's what any very of them true. Saying. That's this very groan true. inducing. Here, I really okay. I well, well, before I go to that, where does this rank for you? Oh, it's the worst of all of them. Yeah. It's yeah, the that's, worst. That's, yeah. Okay. I had an internal debate <laughs> because I'm like, Shane Black mm-hmm. versus the Brothers Strauss. Oh, Jesus. Right? Like, you were almost talking about, like, well, this is a greater disappointment because there's more talent behind it. Yeah. I, I almost felt the same way here. Mm-hmm. Where, th- like, no, like, who's expecting a good movie from the Brothers Strauss with a cast of, People Nobody's, you've never seen before yeah. or since. Mm-hmm. This is a cast of people that you recognize. This is written by Fred Decker and Shane Black. It's directed by Shane Black. It has money put behind it. Like mm-hmm. you said, it was supposed to be a start of a whole new franchise, yep. a whole new series for this. So the expectations were a lot higher. At the same time, I can't get over the fact that the other film could not even competently sound the film could not competently shoot the film true could not competently stage the film i could not see what was happening very true i did not know it's 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 so for that reason and that reason alone this one isn't the worst Mm -hmm. but it it it, it very well could be yeah okay and it probably should be because of the level of talent that's involved yeah 
But for the reasons you just said, I have to give it a one out of 10, <laughs> which makes it my five. I, I will say this. This is one of the worst franchise films I've ever seen. Yeah. And because with the level of talent behind it, because mm-hmm. you and I, this whole episode, like, why do they keep getting these shitty people to make these movies? Yep. They keep getting these shitty people. Well, here's the time they didn't get shitty people. Mm-hmm. And it's worse almost oh, it's, it's than so much if worse. it had been made by fucking nobody. Right. Because, I mean, even with like Requiem, they, you could tell they still have some level of respect for the creatures that they're yes. showcasing. Yes. In this they're one, fans. They're fans. Yeah. And yeah. but this one is just it's just shit all over. Yes. And so I think that makes it more egregious. It's egregious and it's offensive because not only are you wasting my time with an inferior product, mm-hmm. you're you're telling me that while you're doing it, what a fucking mark you are. Right. <laughs> it's like right. You're you're insulting me <laughs> while you're fucking me. And not even the, and not even doing it in a way I can appreciate. Exactly. Yes. Not even in a clever way. No. Yeah, you're calling me ass burgers. Yes. Yeah. And <laughs> after I paid fifteen dollars to watch this movie or three ninety nine or whatever the mm-hmm. fuck. So yeah. Uh I just I didn't ask you to do this. I just did it. So there's six films in this franchise, mm-hmm. uh, more or less. Uh and I average out my scores. <laughs> the <laughs> average score for this franchise is a four point eight three. Damn. And it's that's <laughs> And that's, that's bad. It's really bad. It's really bad. Yeah. And someone um, on Twitter said, like, uh, uh, you know, com- comparing the Alien franchise to the Predator franchise, which one is better? And I, I think this one doesn't doesn't make it. It doesn't make no. it. It doesn't. It had a really great first movie, and that's about it. <laughs> That's about it. Yeah. <laughs> At least Alien well, had aliens. There's no least. aliens in the Predator franchise. I which think is sad because it's, it's such an awesome character. Predators comes close, but it, it just gets in its own way. Mm-hmm. It just gets in its own way. Mm-hmm. All right. If you have to give a recap, uh, what is your recap? I, you know, this, this, our trajectory on this episode has just been like a skydive. Okay. Yeah. We're, we're up in the plane and we jump out and it's like, it's fun, but then our parachute doesn't open and then the backup doesn't open. And then we're just, we crash through the crust of the earth. Yeah. And just go straight into magma, and and just <laughs> we go out in a in a in a stupid yeah. blaze of glory, and oh god, yeah. that's my recap. <laughs> uh, well, the worst of the week for me is Alien versus Predator Requiem. I give it a zero out of ten. I nominate it for the Anti Vault. The only thing that saves the Predator uh, mm. is that it was in focus. Uh, but in many ways, it could be worse and could also be added to the anti-vault. I think Fuck. it should be. <laughs> <laughs> so bad. Fuck, let's nominate both of them. <laughs> Alien versus Predator Requiem, nominated for the anti-vault. The Predator, nominated for the anti-vault. First time ever. <laughs> Jesus. One out of ten. Uh, coming in after that is uh, number four is uh, Alien versus Predator, which I give a four out of ten. Coming number three is Predator 2, 5 out of 10. Sometimes you can't go home again. Predators, 
uh, comes in at number two with a 7.8 out of 10. And my best of the week, the one we spent the most time talking about, of course, you knew it before you even hit play on the episode. It is the original Predator, which I give a 9 out of 10. Mm -hmm. Yeah, one thing we didn't talk about with the first one is I love the credit sequence. We get the sitcom credit sequence at the end of the, the original yes. Predator. Very it's strange choice. It's very, it's very strange, but it's, it, it works. <laughs> Remind me what your order was again. The Predator is coming in. What? Oh, yeah. We've got uh, number one is Predator. Predator 2 is number two. Predators is number three. AVP yeah. Requiem is number four. AVP is five and the predator is number six okay all right if you had to give a recommendation of the week of these films what movie would you recommend i would say predator 2 because i think a lot of people a lot of people wrote it i'm not copying i don't know what you got because uh, i think people wrote it off a long time ago and i think they should revisit it because there's some cool shit in that movie there's some cool stuff I I will never not praise Lindsay Washburn except for in this moment. <laughs> She's out of her goddamn mind. The movie you need to watch is Predators. It's the only one that even comes close to being another real movie written by somebody who's ever written a fucking movie. Predator 2 is bad. If you want to watch a movie that is just a giant misfire of a film, uh, but but it, it somehow still in this franchise leagues ahead. Oh yes, <laughs> everything on the back end. And I guess watch Predators too. But I, I got it. And I that's disagree. that's why I say you should go back and watch it because there because it kind of gets shit on a lot. But there's so much worse in this franchise. There's so much worse. <laughs> that I will agree with. You on. <laughs> On our next episode, we rank Tom Hanks films of the 1990s, which includes Joe versus the Volcano, The Bonfire of the Vanities, That Thing You Do, You've Got Mail, and The Green Mile. Well, we've talked for three hours about Predator movies. Basically, uh, two of them are good. We can't even agree on which two those are. Um, so I think I've held you up long enough. I strongly disagree <laughs> with your take on Predator 2, but I didn't going, I didn't going into this. I was right there with you. Hey, it's all right. Which is always the, like the experiment of doing these binges like this is like all of a mm -hmm. sudden you're like, I thought I knew when I thought about yeah. this movie, but you, you, you don't. So you're, you're always, sometimes your mind gets changed even mm -hmm. as the, the reviewer or the film critic, as it were. Speaking of reviews, where can we find you? I know you got your own YouTube channel. I know you're working with Bad Movie Night. What do you got going on in the first half of 2022 that we should be on the lookout for? Well, I'm trying to uh, uh, get a, a more regular upload schedule. I don't know if that's going to happen. I go in, you know, I make plans and, and it doesn't always work out, but I've got a ton of episodes of I Love This Movie where we take a movie that that isn't talked about a lot, that people do love. You should check those episodes out. Um, the most recent one we did, we've done Romancing the Stone, uh, Deep um, deep Rising. Yes. I've got one coming out for The Long Kiss Goodnight, there you go. which I need to edit. Um, I'm, I do VHS haul videos. Right now I'm editing a big uh, mail haul where I saved my VHS mail for a month and opened up those. I really want to see this. I really want to see this one. <laughs> 
I got this. Because I'll start to. Fr- there's there's a couple in there that you know about. There's a so. binge movies <laughs> hand picked VHS yes, there that's is. in there. Yes, there is. <laughs> so you gotta you gotta check out the channel for that. And then of course I'm I'm on the Bad Movie Night channel where we talk about bad movies, which I love. Um, sometimes I'm the sole champion of some movies. I feel like that's probably which true. Can get interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god! But yeah, you can find me either there. You can find me on Twitter or Instagram at the Lindsay Washburn or at Lindsay Washburn, and it's Lindsay with an A. Of course, if you are a listener of Binge Movies, you like what we do here. You can find our Patreon, Patreon.com/slash/BingeMovies. You can find us on Podbean. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all those great places. Please leave us a five star review. We do have a YouTube channel. We don't do very much with it, but we're going to do something with it in the future, probably. Uh, Of course, thank you as always, Lindsay, and until next time, binge on.